Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever non-Hall of Fame live show. Well, not live, live to tape, <laughs> where we're going to be discussing who we all think should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're trying to mimic it the best we can from what they do, except for the fact that we're not going to take all day. We're just going to make it simple. We're going to have fun. And you might just learn something before it's done. Hey, hey, hey. Can we still do that with the Cosby? No? Okay, wasn't sure. I usually follow up with it's roofie time afterwards, though. But <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> nice. So, again, great special effects here presented by Not in Hall of Fame. And, we, and for those who are watching this for the first time, we've already done two stages of this. We've looked at a preliminary list, came up with 25, matched that with the 25 that the Pro Football Hall of Fame came up with, and then we did a list of 15. So we have our 15 and their 15. If you're wondering why there's 16 on the Not in Hall of Fame list, we did not select Willie Anderson initially. The Pro Football Hall of Fame did. And from new information, talking with a lot of Bengals fans, we put him through to our 15. So we have 19 people in total. Each one of us have been assigned two, two, uh, two of these former players that we're going to discuss. Here are set rules. We have four minutes maximum to talk about each one that we were assigned. I'm gonna ask everyone that we're just quiet while each one is presenting. And then we're gonna open up the floor for maximum 20 minutes. Hope I don't think we're gonna need that much longer once we're done presenting everything. We're all good? Absolutely. Okay. Jared, so we have Jared, so we have, uh, Jared Allen up first. Who's ready for that? That would be me. All right, let's hear about it. Jared right, Allen, go. Thank you for letting me join. So uh, 1984 was the first time in NFL history that offenses had more passing attempts than rushing attempts. And that divide has only increased. And since then, the importance of getting to a quarterback has grown. And, and in fact, it's an essential piece to winning in today's NFL. Jared Allen was one of the best to ever do it. There are only eight pro football Hall of Fame eligible players with more career sacks than Allen's 136. And all of them are in the Hall of Fame. He has more sacks than Ricky Jackson, Andre Tippett, Lawrence Taylor, and Derek Thomas. And only one player has more sacks in a single season than his 22, which is record holder Michael Strahan. Allen's primary assignment really was to get to the quarterback. And in an era where sacks are high importance, he did it with greatness. He led the league in sacks twice, and that was during a time when other elite pass rushers like Jason Taylor, Terrell Suggs, Demarcus Ware, and Dwight Freeney roamed the field. And that's, that to me is remarkable. And in addition to his 136 sacks, he earned four first team all pro awards and five Pro Bowl invites over his 12 seasons. His career really exemplifies greatness. Jared Allen has earned his place in the Hall of Fame. Thank you. Minutes. Well done. Nice job. All right. All right. So I, I've got Rondé Barber up next. All right. So I got to put my Saints hat uh, or my Saints fandom hat on. When we think of the Saints defense, there's like four guys we always think of, maybe five if you include Simeon Rice. Uh, we know where they are Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks. John Lynch, who uh, is going to be discussed later, and Rondé Barber. As a Saints fan, 
I knew what the other three were going to do. Rondé Barber scared the hell out of me because he could do everything. The first, uh, first guy who really, who really was part of the whole nickel uh, corner. And initially when they had the nickel corner, it was just really, here's your third guy and really your third best corner on the team who is going to worry about that third wide receiver. That's not what Rondé Barber was. He was the guy who was going to be able to rush the quarterback and then go back on defense and did it all the time. Rondé was a precursor of what, would, what really has become of what every team really strives to have. Ronde doesn't get a lot of credit, or actually he does get a credit because he's here, but Ronde doesn't get enough credit. And a big part of that is Sap. And it's nothing against Warren Sap. Uh, those who know me know that I love it when an athlete can talk big and back it up. And Sap was that guy. But Ronde just backed it up without really talking about anything. That's who he was. You never had to think about what Rondé was going to do in, like in, in the locker room, but you always worried about him on the field. Quarterbacks worried about him more than they did anyone else. If you want to look at traditional statistics, he's the only 45-25 guy in that he's got 45 interceptions and 25 sacks. Nobody has that. Nobody. Uh, I am a big believer in advanced sacks, and I know when we get to Kevin Williams later, we're going to hear a lot about that and, and approximate value. So Rondé's approximate value of, one, of 156 matches the exact average of every defensive back who is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So he's got that. If you want to look at moments, Tampa Bay, when they, got to, when they won the Super Bowl, it was a shellacking over Oakland. So there wasn't any significant moment there. But the one getting in there was Rondé's pick six on Donovan McNabb leading, there, leading into that when they were up by still two scores, he runs back for a 92-yard pick six. That is the biggest moment in that franchise's history. And Rondé's got that. Always overlooked, always a class guy. And out of those four guys that Tampa had, those four, and I, I know that uh, Jack will, will come up later. And one thing that he likes to, and sorry, I'm sort of like repeating a lot of what, what you say, because I, I just love how you say that. Who would you rather draft? For me, it's Rondé. I know what I got. He was durable. He holds the record in the most games ever started by, by a defensive back. You know what I've got? And it's a gem. And yeah, you could say that he's only four Pro Bowls. He should have had a fifth in 2002. I don't know why he didn't. He should, that should have also been his third first team All-Pro if we want to look at that. Also an All-Decade team. So for me, I am proud, very proud and very relieved. I don't have to see him twice a week, twice a, every year. I am very happy to endorse Rondé Barber for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Thank you. Okay, so we got Tony Baselli up next. I believe that is, da, 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 da. Who's, who's got that? I got it. Right, please. Well, so, yeah, so thanks for the opportunity to join you guys tonight. Sorry I couldn't be on the previous calls. So yes, I'd like to put a case for, for Tony Baselli. Um, a couple of things, of course, we're all aware of. I mean, short careers are rare in the hall. They get a lot of scrutiny. Uh, we're well aware of the debates with Terrell Davis and uh, other players, uh, but they exist. There are a few of them in there, including Dwight Stevenson, for example, another lineman. So I think the precedent is there to have his case heard. And not only that, we know the voters are interested. Uh, he's been on the ballot, I believe, 15 years. Uh, he has been uh, a finalist five times. And what you may not know about it is he's actually made the final round of final 10 the last four elections. 
that's an incredible accomplishment. And it would take some research to figure out how many more players have actually made that and not yet got elected. Now there's been a log jam at O-line. We know that that's what's created some of the delay here plus a shorter career. But Tony Baselli, uh, I'm really pulling for him this year. I don't know who's going to make it, but I'm going to pull for him. I think we look at dominant uh, offensive tackles in that era in the 90s. What's interesting is he was uh, picked first time, or sorry, first team all pro three times. But look at who else was in the league at the same time. And in some of those years, ended up on the second team. We're talking about Hall of Famers, Willie Rowe, Jonathan Ogden, Orlando Pace. I mean, it was a top era for that. Now, it was a bit odd because he was not dominantly a left tackle. He played right tackle and, and the issues are there. But we have a player who was very dominant. Um, again, a shorter career, but enough, enough accolades to be selected for the All-Deca team. Um, his probably most famous and classic game, I'm not a big fan of sort of pulling out one game to highlight a player, but um, one that people will still talk about are the playoffs in uh, 2000, or sorry, 1996 against the Bills, when he held future Hall of Famer and one of the best defensive linemen in the history of the NFL, Bruce Smith, to a game with three tackles and no sacks, a game that the Jaguars won. It's also worth mentioning that there is no uh, Jackson and Jaguar in the Hall of Fame due to their primary career with that team. So an interesting thing to keep in mind, he was the second overall pick, um, in the draft in 1995, the first pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's some really interesting history there. But I think as a player, yes, we need to think through the short career. But there was a dominance there that I think really needs to be recognized. And I hope this is his year that he gets consideration by the voters. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right. So we have uh, Leroy Butler. Uh, Jack, you're up. Yeah. All right. So... <clears throat> I'm a Bears fan. Everybody knows I'm a Bears fan. And that is one of the reasons why I wanted to make the case for two NFC Central, NFC North opponents. And first up is Leroy Butler, who at the peak of his career, at a time when the safety position was really flourishing, we're talking about, you know, certainly Steve Atwater's in the Hall of Fame, Ronnie Lott, Rod Woodson, when they were, had their, made their shift to safety. We're talking about Darren Sharper, who, but for his horrific crimes, would be a walk into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Certainly, we'll get to John Lynch. Um, and one of my favorites, Carnell Lake. Leroy Butler, in a run that included many of those guys, went three straight years, first team All-Pro. And I lead with that. He also had another year where he was first team All-Pro. I lead with that because I think it's the quickest way to articulate how dominant he was in a way that addresses it for someone who wasn't there. But what I can tell you as someone who watched him twice a year was that he was everywhere on the field. Oftentimes you had safeties who you thought of in one way or another. You, you thought of the guys who were big hitters or you thought of the guys who were playmakers. You thought of the guys who were closer to the line. You thought of the guys who were free safeties. Leroy Butler did it all. I wanna take a look at this. All right, um, 20 and a half sacks. 38 interceptions, 13 forced fumbles, 10 recovered fumbles. With him, Lynch, Woodson, Atwater, Carnell Lake, and Sharper, he's second to Lake in, in, in sacks. He's only second to Sharper in interceptions and toward the top in forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. His dominance was such that in 1996, when the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl and had the number one defense in the NFL – 
they had one first team all pro and it wasn't Reggie White. It was Leroy Butler who dominated New England, played up at the line, played back so much so that the next year, Denver uh, and, and Tom, I'm sure you, uh, you remember this, Denver specifically game planned for Leroy Butler. I don't know the last time I heard about a team in the Super Bowl other than maybe Ed Reed specifically game planning for a safety. They had Shannon Sharp run in the middle of that field to keep Leroy Butler out of John Elway's face. And Shannon Sharp afterwards said, you know, Leroy Butler had nine tackles, but we were able to pretty much hold him in check. And again, that's a team with, with Reggie White, with uh, the big fella, the guy who was sucking air. I'm forgetting his name now, uh, the big DT. Um, what's that? Gilbert Brown. Gilbert Brown, thank you. Um, Leroy Butler was someone who, as a Bears fan, as you, you thought about him, you always thought about where he was. And I always just look at peaks, um, how somebody made me feel. And at a time when there were Hall of Fame safeties and all pro guys, he was right there and he got the recognition from 1990 to 2009, the most first team all pros among safeties. Ed Reed, Brian Dawkins, Leroy Butler all had four. Leroy Butler, first team, 1990s, all decade. In. All right, so we've got uh, Alan Fanica next. That's me. So if, if you're going to look at criteria for offensive linemen, which is a tough position to judge, we uh, definitely heard Paul's assessment of Baselli earlier, but I'm going to look at it. the best rated at your position for extended period of time, be a key weapon on really, really good teams, and durability. Those are the three things I look for. I'm going to look at each of these for Alan Fanica. So was he the best? Well, six out of seven years, he was on the all-pro team. We're going to hear that. We've heard that before. We're going to hear that again. All-pro team is the, the bellwether mark of, of greatness. And six out of seven years, he was on that team. The one year he didn't make it was when they moved him to tackle on a rare, pretty poor Steelers team that didn't make the playoffs, and he still made second team. So he's still kind of right there. He had three additional years as a Pro Bowler. So he had nine Pro Bowls in his career, which is – you know, one of the tops for linemen of that era. Pro Bowls can be a little hit or miss, but certainly uh, that's noteworthy. He played 14 playoff games. Uh, he was nine and five in those playoff games. So this is the, the key weapon on a good team. So good Steelers teams. He was there all pro, 14 playoff games. His team won most of those games. And of course, the Super Bowl win in 2006. And you talk about durability. You're talking Alan Fanica because he missed two games in 13 years. His entire 13-year career two games, none after his fourth year. So Mr. 16 games, all the playoff games, a 206 out of 208 games, you knew where Fanuc would be there at guard every game. Another way to measure, those are the three criteria I laid out. Another way to measure is look at penalties. And according to pro reference, uh, in 206 games, he was called for holding a total of, and wait for it, wait for it, four times, four holding calls enforced against him in all those years. Two of those were his last two years when maybe he lost a step. Uh, he left the Steelers for the Jets. But uh, for comparison, uh, Mr. Baselli, which was presented earlier, who played a much shorter career, half the career, 100 games, 11 times he was called for holding, and he missed eight games in that in that time span. So you're talking durability, reliability, lack of holding calls. So I'm going to leave you with a comparison to, to, to the peers. As was mentioned in the last thing, Fanica was a member of the prestigious 2000s all-decade team. 
If you look up and down that team, every single one of the first team offense is already in the Hall of Fame, except for Mr. Tom Brady, who's playing uh, here in a couple of days, and fullback Lorenzo Neal, fullback's not usually getting the consideration. If you look at the second all-decade team, four of those five offensive linemen are already in the Hall of Fame, the fifth one being the center, which is, again, is not a position that gets in. So it's his time, all but if you look at the defensive players on that all-pro team, all the defensive players in except for two, and they're two of our 15 finalists today. So you're talking about somebody who's the greatest of all time, greatest of the 2000s. It's his time. Reward the man. He's been waiting. Alan Fanica. Thank you. Okay, beautiful. All right, uh, so I guess I'm the first one to go twice. Uh, I've got Tory Holt, and I'm going to start with something that I thought a little while ago. Both uh, Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce retired in 2009. Isaac Bruce is currently in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I think we all can agree that, right or wrong, if you've got two players in a similar position playing for the same team, there's a bit of a bias. You're not going to put them both in at the same time. I'm going to say right now that they got the order in backwards. Torrey Holt was a better wide receiver. I think it always should have been Holt going in first, in my opinion, and sort of going to explain why I feel that way. Uh, yes, Isaac's got, and, and again, I, I want to be very clear, this is not a denigration on Isaac Bruce, who I am very happy is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I just think the order was backwards. Uh, Holt has less receiving yards. This is true. He has 2,000 less than Isaac Bruce, but did so in five, five less years. So if you're looking also at who did the most in the actual decade of the 2000s, Isaac, or sorry, Isaac, uh, Torrey is not a first team all decade. He's second team behind, I mean, look who's behind, Marvin Harrison and Randy Moss. Now you're not going to get past Randy Moss, because, he, but he did in terms of overall receiving yards. Holt actually has more receiving yards, not by much, but only 30 than Randy Moss did. But he was right there. Holt also, too, is another one of those quiet guys. He just, he never promoted himself. And that's probably why he sort of fell behind Isaac a little bit. If you're looking at who was the most dominant person, though, in that particular decade, you're looking at Moss, but you're looking at Harrison, but is Tory that far behind? I don't think he's that far behind. And I think he could, he could even make claim that he could have had Harrison's spot for that all-decade team. He's 2,000 yards ahead for that decade is as many pro bowls one less uh one less first team all pro two to one saying that uh he they, he's his super bowl came in his rookie year he's also the only one of the only people in that decade who had two 1600 yards and i know with wide receivers sometimes we don't always look at stats in the, in the greater picture but i think we really should with everything that he did, he's the only person who sort of like did that again, again with, uh, with, his, with his overall mark. If you'll, another thing that I also want to point out too, uh, one stat that I sort of, it's kind of my own creation really, it's uh, when you're taking average, uh, approximate value and then dividing it per game. So with, uh, with Tory Holt, we're at 0.71. That's higher than someone else who we're going to talk about today, who I love also, uh, Calvin Johnson. That's uh, slightly less than Harrison, and it's more than most uh, wide receivers who are in the Hall of Fame. I honestly believe that if the voters got this right in the first place, I wouldn't be debating Torrey Holt. I'd be debating Isaac Bruce right now, and who I also would champion for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's my, uh, that is, 
what I personally think. I think Tori deserved a lot more love. I really happy that I got Rondé and Tori. I mean, granted, I get to pick, but I really just picked what was left. <laughs> really, Ted and I just picked what was left. I can't say Evan. I can't say you did because I already knew who you were going to take right from the start. Yeah. Uh, Jack, you got you got Calvin. You got Megatron. I I do. I do. I do. And I'd like to start it here. I think there are a few different tiers of Hall of Famer. I think that the top is someone who's in the in the conversation for the greatest ever at their position. I think then you have people who for a large period of their career could have confused you as being someone who was the greatest ever. For example, I watch The Godfather, I go there's no there's no movie better than this movie. But I get to the end of Godfather 2 and I say shit, there's no movie better than this movie. Now, if I go back and watch The Godfather again, I go, oh, never mind. This is the better movie. Calvin Johnson is not the greatest ever, but he's someone who could have confused you as the greatest ever. And he belongs in that next tier of Hall of Famers who's the greatest of his era. Tori Holt, I would put into the spot of could confuse you for the greatest of his era for a year. And what I love about Tory Holt, not to make the wrong case here, but what I love about Tory Holt was that in an era where he's going up against Moss, Harrison, Owens, he had a year where you were like, that guy might be the best wide receiver in the NFL. And I agree with you, Kirk, he should have gone in ahead of Isaac Bruce. So I would never say that Tory Holt was better than Moss, Harrison, or Terrell Owens. But I would say that for a year, he made me believe he was. And for most of his career, Calvin Johnson made me believe he was the best wide receiver of all time. He made me believe that no wide receiver could have been better than what he did. Again, this is an NFC North guy who I got to watch every year. I think that the least interesting thing about Calvin Johnson are the raw numbers, but here they are. Nine seasons, seven of which were 1,000 yards, six of which were Pro Bowl, four of which he went for 10 touchdowns or more. He was first team AP All-Pro, AP Vinny, AP All-Pro three times. He was the NFL's lead leader, league leader in yardage twice. He was the NFL's league leader in touchdowns once. And here's the big one. He set the NFL record for most receiving yards in a season. Most receiving yards in a season. And he did it where he was the guy. It wasn't Randy Moss lining up opposite Chris Carter. It wasn't Marvin lining up against, you know, opposite Reggie Wayne, T.O. with Jerry Rice or Jerry Rice with John Taylor or, uh, or Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. It was Calvin Johnson catching passes in triple coverage, looking like there is not a chance in the world of earth that any person could ever play this position better than this person. In nine seasons, and I understand this is the you know bulk of of, uh, of a decade. You know he only played nine years, but he played six of those nine years in the 2010s, and that was enough for him to be named to the 2010 All Decade Team. I'm not here to make the case for Calvin Johnson in the Hall of Fame. I think we all know Calvin Johnson is a Hall of Famer. I'm here to make the case for Calvin Johnson as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now I look at this list 
And if I had my druthers, I'd go Peyton, I'd go Charles Woodson, and then I'd start looking at Lorenzo Neal. I'd start looking at Steve Tasker. I want Alan Fanica in. As my guys kind of get siphoned off, then I have to look again over here, over there. And Calvin Johnson, though, but for Peyton and Charles Woodson, is someone who you'd say, this is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Again, would I put him above Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson? No. Longevity, championships, what are you going to do? But did he play his position as well as they did? Yes. Did he make me look at him and say, you know, oh, Peyton Manning, best quarterback of all time. Charles Woodson, best DB of all time. Calvin Johnson, I look at him, and unless the Godfather's on, I'm looking at Calvin Johnson going, that's the best wide receiver of all time. I'm looking at him saying, could Jerry Rice do these things? Did Randy Moss have this heart? Did Terrell Owens have this? Marvin? That's how I look at Calvin Johnson. This isn't about, is he in the Hall of Fame? He's in the Hall of Fame. We all know he's in the Hall of Fame. This is about, this guy is one of the top five remaining names on this list. Okay. Um, and I yield back my time. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting all week to say that. Nice. Nice. You did a great job, Jack. <laughs> you know, as a Canadian, I have no idea what you're talking about, but that's all right. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm glad you brought up Peyton Manning. I realized in our opening, I forgot to mention that uh, for those watching, Peyton Manning, we uh, no one's been assigned Peyton. We've all agreed unilaterally there's no point to debate Peyton Manning. He's going in the Pro Football Hall of Fame automatically. One spot is already full. For the most part, we think a second one is, but we left that open anyway. And it sort of worked out in terms of just everyone got to sort of present two. Uh, so we have uh, John Lynch up next. Uh, oh, Vinny, you're up twice. Ah, nice. Well, John Lynch, as we know, everyone knows him currently as the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers general manager. But considering that everyone else is older, you all remember him as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And later on, he became a Denver Bronco. And for a very, very brief moment of time, he was actually in the preseason a New England Patriots. But we are here to talk about his case, and he is no stranger to this floor. He, in his ninth year of eligibility, this is eighth time as a finalist. He's been in the top 15 multiple times. He's been in the top 10 several times. This poor guy has been waiting here, waiting in the hotel room, waiting for, you know, David Baker to knock, and he just gets the phone call, and he just balls into tears. <laughs> but let's get on to it. So this guy, of course, nine-time Pro Bowler. Four-time All-Pro, yet that is both Associated Press, two of them first team, two of them second team. When you think about those Buccaneers teams themselves, who were the three major players? You think of Warren Sapp, who is considered the heart of that Tampa 2 defense. You think of Derek Brooks. He was the soul of that defense. But what was John Lynch? He was the conscience of that defense. He was their leader. He was there before both Sapp and Brooks was there. So we had to deal with some pretty bad teams, but he was still pretty dominant. Keep in mind, this is also at a time where everyone knew that the safeties were very, very hard-hitting men. They were basically pseudo-linebackers. In many ways, he was the quarterback of the, defensive, of the defensive backs. And always, every single day, you always knew that way, one way, shape, or form, John Lynch was going to bulldoze you and knock you down. And there's a chance you might lose. And now he also had a bit of resurgence when he was with the Denver Broncos from 04 to 07. Because of how well he did, he was also in their ring of honor. There's only nine people, including him, that are on more than one ring of honors. 
Those are Vince Lombardi, Sonny Jurgensen, Nick Buonacotti, Paul Warfield, Eric Dickerson, Reggie White, Charles Haley, and Marshall Falk. Also, he also won the Bart Starr Award in 2007, exemplifying his role as a leader on that team, on the Broncos, and for his entire career. But I also say that it may not come up as much as someone else for the advanced stats, but when you saw that guy every single day of the week, you knew that this guy was something special, the safety position. Now one could say, oh, he's not part of the all-decade team. That's mainly because his all-pros were kind of sandwiched in the very early of the 2000s. And, you know, as we know, um, Darren Sharper took that spot, and he's never going to make it because uh, – well, we quoted Bill Cosby before. That's, that's all I'm <laughs> going to say there. Um, but, yeah, I'd say that because of his impact on the field and because he was part of that champion-winning uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, he was the third cog in that wheel from hopeful future Hall of Famer Monty Kiffin, his defense. Yes, had an assistant coach there. I think, you know, it's about time. This is eighth time as a finalist. He's waited long enough. He doesn't want to be another Jerry Kramer that's my case for John Lynch in the Hall of Fame. And, okay. uh, and uh, you might as well just go ready to just go right to Clay. Okay, Clay. <laughs> he's th- he is basically uh, he's basically the Hall of Fame's Gino. In case you guys don't know who Gino is, Gino is a character from an old Mario game that many people want to see in the Smash Brothers franchise. He's been only in like one Mario game. But he, yeah, no. Well, you got well, you got me. Well, you got me. I get that. Yeah, right. you have you too, Alec. But you know, Gino is one of the most requested ones ever, <laughs> even though like he's so out of place. And in many ways, you really look at it. It's you could argue that you know maybe there isn't that many similarities. But I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Now, why is Clay here? Well, let's first off look at the player. We know that. He has been in the league for a very, very, very long time. This guy played 278 games he amassed, 19 seasons at linebacker. That's the most out of anyone at the position, most ever. Only missed 26 games. So if the best ability is availability, Clay Matthews Jr. was your guy. For those Browns teams of the late 70s, 80s, and even when he was with the Falcons the last couple of years of his career, he always knew to come up on the field and they didn't count as many sacks back then, but as a middle linebacker, Clay Matthews jr. Was someone that amassed 94.5 sacks, which is pretty cool. And even though he has one all pro associated press on pro football reference, he's actually listed as a second team all decade, believe it or not. And, but, and don't keep in mind, this guy is also known for, Fumbling the ball 27 times. He, uh, he forced fumbles and he recovered uh, 14 of them. Even got a couple um, touchdowns out of it. And he was, a tackling, he was a tackling beast, of course, a linebacker. He's third all time in total tackles, averaging 5.62 tackles per game. And, of course, as we know, last year, he was also inducted into the team's ring of honor. But we also need to understand why Clay Matthews Jr. is also here. It's his final year on the modern era balance. And could he be like Elvin Bethea or Carl, or could he be more like, um, or is he more like someone like, like Everson Walls or Joe Jacoby? But okay, well, let's also get it out. Uh, let's just clear the open in the room right here. 
the only reason as to why Clay Matthews Jr. made it this far is because his daughter Jen organized the most, the, the probably the best modern era campaign there is. So much so that I would argue he was probably is basically the most requested modern era candidate since Terrell Owens. Not only that, even though I kind of mix the feelings in the fan poll, Clay Matthews Jr. actually has more votes than Peyton Manning. <laughs> I oh. mean, Oh, well, take, the fan that, take, okay. take, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be serious here. But at the yeah, same yeah. time, you know, you don't get that overnight. I mean, last year Leroy Butler had the most amount of votes, and you know, many people want to see Leroy Butler, including myself, make the Hall of Fame, and I don't really have an issue with that. But the fact that Clay Matthews Jr. is here in the first place says a lot about how many people want him. And we've seen quotes from Nick Saban and Howie Long and uh, Jim Kelly. Um, we also heard from um, Bill Cowher as well, advocating for Clay Matthews Jr. And, you know, it's his final year on the modern era ballot. And many voters have said that they want to see um, some of these older guys get in. And for all we know, even though I would rather have other linebackers before Clay Matthews Jr., if I'm playing devil's advocate here, maybe adding a guy like Clay Matthews Jr. could actually increase the support of someone like a Zach Thomas or increase the support of someone like Carl Mecklenburg or other guys like Howley or Gratish or Vaughn or Novus in the future. Now, granted, this is all hypothetical, so I might completely be reading the room completely wrong. I might have blindfolds on. But at the same time, I mentioned Clay Matthews Jr. It's what the fans wanted. Put him in. You'll make him happy, especially in Ohio. Okay. All right. I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, Ted, you got Sam Mills. Uh, well, I think you guys know that I've already sent the, uh, the case for him electronically. Um, I'm not as eloquent as many of you are speaking, so I'm more of a bullet point. Here's the facts, hard and fast. Three-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, you have to remember he was in the NFC at the same time as Lawrence Taylor, Singletary, Ricky Jackson, Harry Carson, Charles Haley, Kevin Green, all competing for those couple Pro Bowl slots. So that's just the NFC. Um, his stats, 1,265 tackles, 20 and a half sacks, 11 interceptions, 22 forced fumbles, 23 fumbles recovered. If you add in what he missed during his time in USFL, again, this is the Pro Football Hall of Fame, not the NFL Hall of Fame. You add in those three seasons, those stats skyrocket. Um, his 1,142 solo tackles are 11th all time at inside linebacker, head of Zach Thomas, Mecklenburg, Erlocker. His 1,265 tackles all time are 21st um, all time. He didn't make the NFL until he was 27. So again, if you factor in his previous time, he's going to be near the top of every list. Um, during his time in the USFL, he had uh, played on three of the three teams in three seasons that made the USFL championship. Um, he was considered one of the three best players of the USFL um, at a time when they had Reggie White um, Jim Kelly and Herschel Walker. So according to some of the experts, he's ahead of one of them. So that's pretty impressive. As you know, he's one of the famed Dome Patrol members with one of the others already in the hall and Ricky Jackson. 
Um, that group for linebackers was rated the number one linebacker core in NFL history ahead of other linebacker groups that are pretty impressive. His uh, pro football reference career weighted average at inside linebacker, eighth all time. Um, behind all of them are Hall of Famers and then uh, Bobby Wagner. Ahead of Hall of Famers, Nitschke, Carson, Lanier, Butkus, Huff. Um, and ahead of other guys that have been discussed for the Hall, such as Gratisher, Mecklenburg, Keekley, and Willis, that will be um, talked about in future years. Uh, I, I'm going to give a shout out to notinthehalloffame.com. He's ranked 48th on that list, probably will go up, hopefully, after this. Clay Matthews, on the other hand, uh, 75th on that list. Yeah, I hear it's a great site. Yeah, yeah. It's an awesome site. Yep. I go uh, if I have to say so myself. <laughs> Sam was not an all-decade choice. I, again, I think it's really because of when his career started. That's the one negative I hate about the all-decade. If you played from 85 to 95, that really decreases your chances of all-decade. Um, so I think if, if his years would have played out a little different, he could have been an all-decade. He was pro football reference, second team all decade for the 90s. Um, again, his numbers, the only one uh, retired by the Panthers. Um, he, he was considered the heart and soul of his teams. So, yes, sometimes his uh, stats may go short because of his uh, shorter NFL career, but he's the heart and soul, according to everybody who played with him. He was considered by Coach uh, Mora as his, the best player he ever coached. And he coached uh, Swilling, Ricky Jackson, Willie Rofe, Coach Manning. I'm going to say he probably forgot about Peyton Manning. But uh, that is the case for Sam Mills for the Hall of Fame. Okay. All right. Uh, Evan, you got Richard Seymour. So you're, you're, first time you're up and you got a pat. Right up. Yeah, I do All have right. to say, though, more more probably thinks that Mills is a little bit of tackler than Manning. We'll leave it at that. But um, uh, yeah, so Richard Seymour, he's not on our list, and I honestly blame myself for that um, because I didn't I didn't defend him as much as I should have as a Patriots fan. Um, as you guys know, uh, Richard Seymour, I, I remember watching the NFL draft when he was drafted back in 01 uh, in my dorm room at American University, and the Patriots were up with the sixth pick, and I'm like, oh man, I hope they draft David Terrell. I hope they draft David Terrell. And then they drafted Richard Seymour. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe we got this guy. We need a wide receiver. Fortunately, I am not the GM of the New England Patriots. Um, it was a much better pick than I originally anticipated. Um, so Seymour, uh, Seymour is uh, – this is his third ballot. He had a 13 um, – sorry, the wrong page. Uh, so he had a 12-year career, uh, eight with the Patriots, four with the – uh, Raiders. Uh, he was a seven-time Pro Bowler, five in New England, two with the Raiders. Uh, this is his third time as a finalist. He was a fourth, fourth time as a semifinalist. Uh, third team AP, first team All-Pro, uh, 2003, four and five. Second team twice in 06 and 11. He made it uh, the All-Pro team both as a defensive tackle and a defensive end. He's five-time uh, first team All-Pro with Pro Football Weekly. Uh, he's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He was a four-time captain in New England on those defenses. Um, and member of the Patriots 50th anniversary team, you got elected to the Patriots Hall of Fame by the fans last year. And he's the, on the first team, Fendefell's uh, all-decade team of the 2000s, 
as one of the defensive tackles, the other one, of course, being Warren Sapp. Um, so uh, according to the F Pro Football Monitor, they have the, the Hall of Fame monitor that they have on the Pro Football Reference. Um, that's only a couple years old, but I like, I like it as a, as a uh, way of measuring folks, particularly at position where it's a little bit difficult. He, created, he grades out the 11th greatest defensive end ever. Uh, he's right behind Jason Taylor, and he's ahead of the three people immediately following him are Howie Long, Chris Dolman, and Dan Hampton, uh, all of whom are Hall of Famers. He's also significantly ahead of Leroy Selman, uh, Charles Haley, Richard Dent, Claude Humphrey, Fred Deem, and El Elvin Bethea. And he's way ahead. I mean, like uh, by a factor of 50% of Jared Allen, who's on this ballot uh, with him, uh, who people are talking about as the first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, he also, being on, on the Patriots, he also played multiple positions. He actually, I don't know guys remember, he used to be the fullback in short yard situations, particularly on the goal line for the Patriots. He actually got injured and it cost him four games uh, one season. He also is a great special teamer. He actually was special, uh, AFC special team player of the week twice in his career. He still leads the Patriots in blocked field goals. He has six for his career. And that's not counting the one into the 2003 um, division round game against the uh, uh, MVP Steve McNair led Tennessee Titans where he blocked a field goal in that snow game in a game that the Patriots ended up winning 17 to 14 on the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, he was, uh, he played 15 playoff games. He went 12 and three in those playoff games. And that was back at the beginning of the Patriots era. It's hard to remember uh, with the beginning of the Patriots dynasty, I guess the first one, because Brady's now become kind of his own meme on everything. I mean, I think the ringer today had something on a guy who sacked Tom Brady twice in a game and what it meant to his life, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, but those original Patriots teams, those first three championships were led primarily by the defense. And the two best players on that defense by far are Ty Law, who's already in the Hall of Fame, and Richard Seymour. Uh, Seymour started as a, as a tight five technique in the, the base defense. Uh, he's three technique and a nickel. Um, he's a hard rose player, two-way player against the run and pass. He's on all three downs. Uh, he doesn't have big sack numbers. He's only like 55, which hurts him a little bit uh, with people who are particularly stack-based. But the Patriots system isn't designed to get people individual stacks. Um, and, and he suffers a little bit because of that. Uh, he was also, I mean, he was 6'6", 306. He was absolutely ripped, entirely muscle. He needed to be double teamed on every play. Whenever you play the Patriots, he got double teamed on every play. If you go back, I was back watching um, Super Bowl 36 highlights uh, the other day to get some Torrey Holt and, uh, and Richard Seymour stuff in at the same time. And every single play, Seymour's in the center and defensive tackle, and he's getting two and three guys blocking him that entire game. And he still had a, a, a batted down pass and two sacks and four pressures in that game. Um, so he is by, by and large, the best defensive lineman on this, on our finalist list of the 15 we have to choose from. He's by far better than Jared Allen. It's not, it's not a competition to me. And he's been in the final uh, 10 multiple times. We know I heard from last year, he was, sixth or seventh on the last ballot. So he was right on the edge of getting in. Uh, I think he's going to get in very soon. I'm not sure if it's this year, just because this year has two and maybe three first ballot Hall of Famers. It's going to be close, but he deserves to be in um, as one of the best players on one of the best teams of all time. One of the cornerstone players. So. Okay. All right. So we have uh, Zach Thomas. Uh, Tom, what do you got for us? Hey, uh, so 
Zach Thomas really was never supposed to be a pro, pro football Hall of Fame linebacker. I mean, he, he was an undersized fifth-round draft choice. And, I mean, really, his 40-yard dash time was, uh, you know, not that great. And I think maybe that's why it's taken him so long and why he's been forced to wait for his entry into the Hall of Fame. And I really think that's an injustice. A prime example of why is you really need to look no further than Brian Urlacher. He was a first-round draft selection, much more appealing measurables, and he was a first-ballot Hall of Famer. But if you look at their careers, Thomas was, was as good, had as good accomplishments for the position. He had more tackles, more forced fumbles. He had the same amount of defensive touchdowns and a similar number of interceptions. And I'm, I'm not saying we're, we're not comparing different eras here from uh, players in different eras. Both of them played inside linebacker during the same time and in, in the same number of games. And also Thomas was voted as the best inside linebacker five times as evidenced by his five first team all pros. And I'm not a big fan of going with the voters on all pros because a lot of times it's reputation but they're considered the experts at the time. And, and he was recognized as great during his playing days. Only seven non-pass rush type linebackers have more first team all pros and the, the, that are in the Hall of Fame right now. And he was voted to the all-decade team for the 2000s alongside Ray Lewis and Derek Brooks who are in the Hall of Fame. His, his achievements at linebacker are as good as many others that are already enshrined. And we're, we're voting on the five best players on this official Pro Football Hall of Fame finals list. And there are two other linebackers on there that we've already talked about. But if anyone really is considering them for enshrinement in the Hall of Fame, Thomas was a no-brainer a long time ago because their, their careers don't hold a candle to his. Matthews is a, I mean, Mills is a great story. I mean, I like the guy. Good story. Clay Matthews is almost at the cusp, <laughs> getting in with a, a real big push. But the Hall of Fame is reserved for, for greatness. And players who are great deserve the honor. And, and they shouldn't, you know, if you're the best, you shouldn't be pushed aside to wait, wait for someone else to get in for other reasons. Mm -hmm. So the 15 official finalists on this list, really, there may be four in my mind that had a better career and a more deserving entry into Canton than Zach Thomas. And that's really how great his career was. Even though no one expected it. No one expected him to be great, but he really was great. Look at all of his achievements. He really does deserve to be immortalized in uh, next to the other great players. And he really has earned his right to be in the Hall of Fame. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so we have uh, Reggie Wayne, uh, that is by Dave. Got it. So Reggie Wayne, I'm going to start with the inevitable discussion point for Reggie Wayne, and that is to put him next to Marvin Harrison. And Kirk alluded to this earlier with the Holt versus Bruce story. And I'm not going to go as far as to say Wayne was better than Harrison, but I'm going to at least put into context the contributions that Wayne made alongside with Harrison and put some statistics together to show you that they're really, really, really close. They both played around 200 games. And similar to Fanica, which I talked about earlier, uh, had a long career with very, very few injuries, which I'll get into in a minute. 
their career receptions between Harrison and Wayne are within 32 and the yards within 235. So career numbers accumulated, again, both same number of games. They're both right there. They both benefited from great quarterback play. Let's not fool ourselves with Manning around and then later Oliver Luck for Wayne. But, uh, you know, when, when Harrison, uh, but Wayne also had to endure that tormentous season of 2011 with Painter and Orlovsky uh, at the helm that actually got them luck. Uh, and he still almost got a thousand yards in that season. That might be one of the points that you look at and say, this guy is really, really good no matter who's throwing to him. Uh, when you think about uh, how good those two quarterbacks were otherwise. Uh, he, Harrison led the team in receiving nine times. Wayne led seven. Wayne had a slight edge in yards per catch. And we're, and we're, so we're talking at worst options, one and one A at best, one A and one B. They're almost so similar in their career paths. Uh, postseason, uh, Wayne was right there as a key contributor, uh, won 11 games out of 21 total. So, uh, you know, the Colts were always deep in the playoffs. In those playoff games, he had over 1,200 yards and 93 receptions, almost a, a little over a full season, but stolid numbers there, 13.4 yards per catch, which matched his regular season. So in the playoffs, he was right there. Uh, as well, and he had the big uh, TD reception in, in the uh, against the Bears, which I don't know why they decided not to cover him on that play. Uh, but talking about longevity, uh, you know, look at Fanica, like I discussed earlier. Wayne missed only one game after his rookie season, besides the 2013 season, which wiped out his knee. So, the outside of that season, missed only one game, and that was in his last season in 2014. So again, a guy you you put out there every Sunday. He was out there on the wide. Uh, wide receiver position for Manning. One thing uh, that you look for from statistics is the bold numbers, the ones that stand out as the leaders. And he led the league in receiving yards in 2007 with over 1,500 yards, eight times 1,000 yards, with seven seasons in the top 10 in yards. So again, demonstrating he's one of the best receivers of his era, uh, four times in top 10 in receptions, uh, four times 100 receiving, uh, 100 receptions per year. So again, right there. Uh, he registered six Pro Bowls uh, and, and had one first-team All-Pro. Uh, he was against some stiff competition there, uh, usually Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Andre Johnson, Randy Moss, those type guys. He slid in on the second team a couple times as well. So right there among the best in the receivers of his era. Uh, my concluding argument here is you look at career placement. And uh, Reggie Wayne is only one of seven players to be top 10 receptions and yards. So top 10 receptions, yards, he's only seven guys. He's one of them. Uh, the other six, five are in the Hall of Fame. One is Larry Fitzgerald, who seems to refuse to quit playing. He'll be in soon. So they're all Hall of Famers. He should be too. Uh, for yards, uh, if you look at the eight behind him, he was, he was 10th in yards. You look at the eight behind him, they're either in the Hall, not yet eligible for the Hall, or they're on this ballot like Tory Holt or they're Henry Ellard, who should have been in a long time ago. So uh, you look behind him, eight guys, and those guys are getting in. Uh, same with receptions, except instead of Ellard, it's Heinz Ward who's not in, and uh, Holt is not there in receptions. Um, he's 20th all-time in yards per touch, uh, and, and tied with Andre Reid, ahead of guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Tim Brown, and Marvin Andrews. These are all big-name players. He's right around there statistics-wise. So and not only is he good enough, just good enough to get in, he's really one of the best top 10 receivers of all time and deserves to be among his peers. Please put in Reggie Wayne for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so one last on the official list, uh, Glenn, you've got Charles Woodson. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Hall of Fame case for Charles Woodson. So I present Charles Woodson. And in actuality, that should be all it takes to get him in. And we alluded to it earlier, Peyton Manning's number one. We just pushed him all the way through for good reason. 
Uh, Charles Woodson's probably 1A, 1B. 18-year career with the Oakland Raiders and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you look at his pro football reference, Hall of Fame monitor, defensive backs. There are five players rated higher than Charles Woodson. All of them are in the Hall of Fame. Of the next pl 20 players ranked behind him, all but two, Darrell Revis and Leroy Butler, who's in this nominating class, are in the Hall of Fame. Now, on day one, Charles Woodson comes into the league. He is the Heisman Trophy winner, the first and only defensive player to win that award, beating our unanimous nominee into the Hall of Fame, Peyton Manning. But that's college. We move on to the pros. I, too, am a bullet point person, so I will go through the bullet points. Super Bowl champion, first team All-Pro, four times, second team All-Pro, four times, nine-time Pro Bowler. NFL Defensive Player of the Year, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, two-time NFL Interception Leader, NFL 2000's All-Decade Team, and in 2015, his last year in the league, the Art Rooney Award. All-time, he is fifth in interceptions with 65. He's fifth in total tackles by a defensive back all-time. He ranks sixth in tackles for a loss by defensive backs with 54. He's eighth in QB sacks by a defensive back with 20. He's second all-time in pick sixes by a defensive back with 11, and fifth all-time in non-defensive touchdowns with 13. On his release from the, Tampa, or from the Green Bay Packers in 2013, then general manager Ted Thompson, and I quote, stated, we are grateful for all Charles has given to the Green Bay Packers over the seven years. He's been an integral part of the Packers' success and our Super Bowl title in 2010. We would not have, it would not have been possible without his contributions. A once-in-a-generation talent as a player, he's also a great leader and ambassador for the organization off the field. Charles will always be a member of the Packers' family, and we look forward to his eventual induction in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We wish him and his family all the best. Now, what's ironic about that statement is, if you remember Charles Woodson going to the Green Bay Packers, one of the things that came up is, well, what's Charles Woodson going to do in Green Bay? Well, he, he did a lot. He, he, he became part of the community and is a Green Bay Packer, along with an Oakwood Raider. Aaron Rodgers, and I quote, I think he's the most talented guy that I ever played with. His ability to impact the game was unbelievable. He for sure made me a better player going against him every day in practice. He's one of the most savvy defensive players that I've ever seen on the field. Incredible ability to diagnose routes in real time. Fantastic disguise. So with that, I leave you with future Hall of Famer, Charles Woodson. Nice. Okay, so we move on to the four people who did not make, who we voted in. Actually with Willie Anderson, we did not vote him in it was, it was an oversight that we did one time, but not a second time. So I'm pretty excited to hear the pitch or our official pitch on Willie Anderson. Uh, Ted, you've got uh, Willie Anderson. You're on mute, my friend. Ted, you're on mute. Sorry about that. Uh, Willie was a right tackle. Um, named to the Pro Bowl four straight years from 03 to 06, first team Three-time uh, first-team All-Pro from 04 to 06, second-team All-Pro in 03. Uh, 
didn't go to the Pro Bowl prior to Marvin Lewis getting to Cincy. I think that's because it was a shit show there beforehand. Um, Willie uh, played 13 years in the NFL. Um, first 12 seasons with the Bengals, one final season with Baltimore. Uh, we talked about uh, durability before, 116 straight uh, consecutive games from 99 to 07. Um, I know we've talked before about the Bengals being the most underrepresented franchises in the in Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, I'm going to counter that. It doesn't matter what team you are. They shouldn't focus on pushing a guy through because he's a Bengal. Should post him through, put him through because of what he did on the gridiron, period. And for that reason, Anderson should get in. Um, Anderson only gave up 16 sacks in his 13-year career. Um, and again, was widely regarded as the best right tackle of his generation. He committed just 39 penalties during his 13 year career, which breaks down to three penalties a season. Um, Pro Football Focus, who does all the, the advanced analytic scorings, um, wasn't around for most of his career, except for, I believe, the last three years. But uh, Twitter user Joe Goodberry, who is referred by Vance Meek, which many of us follow, um, notes that if they were around um, longer, his stats would be better. In his final season, he scored a 91.3 um, for his uh, pro football ranking, which ranked third highest of all tackles. His 10 total pressures ranked first or lowest. Uh, at the time and lowest for all tackles that played at least 50% of the snaps that year. In 2006, uh, he had a pass blocking efficiency score of 98.9, second best of all tackles behind only Hall of Famer Jonathan Ogden. In 2006, he gave up just 11 total pressures and one sack on 555 pass protection snaps. Uh, Pro Football Focus notes that the 11 pressures are the fourth lowest amount in a season since 2006. His weighted uh, AV on uh, Pro Football Reference rank of 101 ranks 19th all time at the tackle position ahead of Hall of Famers uh, Bob Brown, Odgen, uh, Rayfield Wright, Winston Hill, Dan Deardorff, Jackie Slater, and future Hall of Famer uh, Joe Thomas, amongst others. Uh, he blocked for Corey Dillon for his uh, entire Cincy career and six of seven um, years for, for Dillon. He rushed for over 1,100 yards. Dillon averaged 1,252 yards in his first season, first six seasons, uh, running behind Willie. Uh, in his final season, he split time with Rudy Johnson. The following, then Rudy Johnson took over and he had three straight years of 1,300 yards rushing and 12 TDs running behind Anderson. And uh, Willie helped Ander Corey Dillon break two NFL records, Jim Brown's uh, rookie single game uh, rushing record and Walter Payton's single game rushing record at 285 yards. Uh, Michael Strahan said that Willie Anderson was the best right tackle of his gen generation. And perhaps I'll leave you with the final stat, perhaps the most compelling or Morton most compelling stat for um, Willie Anderson in his 13 years, 13 year career. He faced nine of the top 11 all time sack leaders against those nine defenders. He only allowed one sack, which 
uh, occurred during his rookie year to Bruce Smith. That is it. Uh, and also, uh, thanks for uh, bringing up uh, Vance Meek. Uh, for those who don't follow him, follow him. You don't have to be a Bengals fan to really enjoy his material. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff there, and uh, I've certainly learned a lot from following him. Uh, another one I've been looking forward to, uh, Steve Tasker uh, by Glenn. Okay. Uh, this is a tough one because it's really hard to put stat. If you're a pure stats guy, Steve Tasker will not get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but yeah, Steve Tasker, special teams ace, special teams godfather, if you will, if we're going to stick with the godfather references in this conference call. Steve, drafted by the Houston Oilers, came to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Houston tried to sneak him by, tried to cut him and then resign him. Uh, it's already been mentioned in this group about Marv Levy's affection towards special teams and his lineage. So the minute Tasker was out there, he scooped him up. And I guess the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, let's go on to the measurable statistics. He was a seven-time Pro Bowl special teams ace, seven-time first team all-pro special teamer. And in 1993, he is the only special teams player to win the MVP of that game. Granted, it's an all-star game, but that's still something to be said. Uh, Steve Tasker is an eye test Hall of Famer. Uh, he is a Hall of Famer based on what the league thought of him back in his playing days. Uh, I'm going to quote numerous coaches and players, so bear with me. Bruce DeHaven, special teams coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. What Bruce Smith and Cornelius Bennett mean to us on defense and what Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas mean to us on offense, Steve Tasker means to us on special teams. He can make big plays and it forces the oppos opposition to account for him. We'll see people that will operate in a certain manner for four or five games and they come in and play against us and change some things because of Steve. He was the first guy I ever saw anybody actually use three guys to try and block him as a gunner on a punt. Now we had alluded to earlier that Calvin Johnson also created triple coverage. Now think about that. On punt teams, you only have 11 men on the field and you're dedicating three people to make sure Steve Tasker doesn't get down and cause a fumble or cause a tackle within the 10-yard line or the five-yard line. That, that's pretty impressive that coaches are doing that to just prevent him from making that play. He forced people to do things that no one had ever done before on special teams. Bruce DeHaven added while in his time in Dallas, coaching under Bill Parcells, that he said, I remember Bill talking about whenever we play Buffalo, telling his team, the first thing we have to do is we've got to make sure we contain Steve Tasker because if we don't get him blocked, then we're gonna get beat. Marv Levy on Steve Tasker. As a special teams coach, I had an eye for special teams players. I knew he was a good one. He had leadership and heart. I'm not the only one who could see it. Opposing coaches used to tell me that the player they had to prepare for the most was Steve. Not Jim Kelly, not Bruce Smith, not Andrew Reed, but Steve. Marv Levy in the 1995-96 season when Steve Tasker had to fill in for injuries for starting wide receivers. Bill's coach Marv Levy was asked the other day if he was surprised by Tasker's production at wide receiver this year. I'll give you a yes and no answer, he said. You've got to be surprised when the guy hasn't done it for 10 years. But no, nothing Steve Tasker does surprises me. He's constantly practiced at wide receiver and we've liked him there. But there was a time when we also had James Lofton and Don Beebe. 
And we just felt Steve was making tremendous contributions on our kicking teams. Brad Seeley, special teams coordinator in the league from 89 to 2000, most recently with the Houston Texans. Tasker created a lot of advantages for the Bills just by field position by what he did. So there's a guy who to me is extremely worthy of consideration to the Pro Football Hall of Fame because he was a difference maker in the area and that's what the Hall of Fame is supposed to be about. Jim Kelly, Buffalo Bills Hall of Fame quarterback. Looking back, I wish I could have used him more at wide receiver. But special teams coach Bruce DeHaven said to me, you're messing with my job security now. Leave Steve Tasker where he's at because he knew how important Steve was to the special teams unit. And I did too. But I also thought I could use him as a wide receiver because there was not that many people who could cover him one-on-one. -on -one. Kelly, after the 1996 Miami wildcard game. In my mind, Steve could have been a starter five years ago. Kelly told reporters recently, there's not one person who who's ever been in our training camp who could cover him. Nobody could cover him one-on-one. -on -one. I knew when he got to the, when he got the chance, he'd show what he could do. Andre Reed, Bill's Hall of Fame wide receiver. Steve wasn't only a great teammate, he was an emotional guy who got us all pumped up. He was a gutsy player and made those plays that needed certain time, that we needed certain times of the game to get the crowd in. The offense in, in it and the defense in it. He was that guy. Former receiver Andre Reed added, his voice raising on the last sentence, even while playing golf on a breezy sunny day in San Diego. He said the thoughts still got him pumped up and ready to go. He played so low to the ground that it was hard to block him. And when he reached the returner, he'd hit him with everything he had. He made me a better player. He made all of us a lot better players. We saw how hard he worked and it made us work harder. Bill Brooks, wide receiver in 1996. See, Steve Tasker runs better routes than anyone else on our team, period. Now in his wide receiver career, he only had, was targeted 85 times for, 40, for 49 receptions for 760 yards and nine touchdowns. Now that's definitely not Hall of Fame receiver career, career numbers, but he's a special teams ace. Mark Gaughan, a sports writer for the Buffalo News for the past 32 years was in the room for those discussions during the 12 years he sat on the Hall of Fame selection committee. Tasker's thought of very highly among voting members. He's widely recognized as the best special teams player coverage man ever. And there are a lot of people on the committee who would like to see him make the final 15 so there could be a real discussion about his merits. But from 2000 to 2013, the Bills had a string of candidates you couldn't put Tasker in ahead of. It's hard to get into the Hall of Fame, as it should be, but we may never see someone like Tasker again. There's less opportunity to be dominated, to dominate as he was in both punt and kickoff coverage with the way the NFL is changing. Ever since he's retired, there hasn't been a special teams player of his caliber or that he had a career in special teams like that. That could help him down the road as a senior candidate. Now, now this next quote just galls me to have to utter, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Matthew Slater, New England Patriots special teams and wide receiver. To me, you can't tell the history of a hundred years of the NFL without saying the name Steve Tasker. If he hadn't done his role at such a high level, I'm not sure guys like me would have a job. He goes on. I think that if you want to, to start having those conversations, they need to be had with the name Steve Tasker, because I think he paved the way for us to play the game. Do I think Steve deserves a place there? Yes, absolutely. I think Steve Tasker is being the godfather of special teams. And there were a lot of great ones and did it certainly around his era. You can talk about Bill Bates and others, 
but I think he set the standard so high, the bar so high that I think coaches, when they started to build their teams, realized, hey, this is an important part of the game. And I'll just leave you with Peter King's comment in a recent tweet, take his opinion for what it is. He feels strong that there are two special teamers that deserve to have their case heard for Ken, Steve Tasker and Brian Mitchell. And with that, I leave, I relieve my time. You did a good job. Nice. All right, uh, Evan, you got Kevin Williams. All right. So coming into this, I did not expect to be the Kevin Williams stand, but here I am. Uh, and it, it got, it, I'm such a Kevin Williams guy, it messed up my defense of Seymour originally. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Kevin, no one in this entire process has been more overlooked than Kevin Williams. He didn't even make the semifinalist list, which is insane. Out of the 106 players who are nominated for the Hall of Fame, again, using that the monitor system that the Pro Football Reference is using, here's the list of their and the, on, on their system, an average Hall of Famer is 100 score. The only people over 100 are Peyton Manning, Alan Fanica, Charles Woodson, Zach Thomas, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, who we'll talk about in a second, Torrey Holt, and Kevin Williams. Kevin Williams is the by that number, the eighth best player out of 106, and he couldn't make the top 25. I don't know if anything's going to happen. Again, I'm a Patriots fan, and I have no skin in the game as to whether Kevin Williams makes it or not. But if anyone paying attention to this at all listens, get Kevin Williams at least on the semifinalist ballot. It's insane he's not there. He's currently the 10th best uh, defensive tackle of all time, according to that same thing. He was ninth when we started this. But the guy who passed him this year, just to show you where he is in the annals of this, was uh, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald was originally behind him coming in the season, and with the season he had, just passed him in the ranking system. Uh, he is the, he's ahead of Cortez Kennedy. He's ahead of Henry Jordan, Alex Karras, Buck Buchanan. Um, I mean, we talk about other potential Hall of Famers opposition, Geno Atkins, Dominican Sue, Fletcher Cox. All three of them are a factor of like 25% worse on that, on that than Kevin Williams was. Um, so Williams was had 13-year career, 11 with the Vikings, one at the Seahawks, where he should have won a Super Bowl if Pete Carroll had run the ball. <laughs> uh, and, and one with the Saints. Uh, he was a six-time Pro Bowler, five times uh, All-Pro, uh, first for AP, five times for Football Weekly All-Pro, uh, including four times in a row from 2006 to 2009. He was the Defensive Player of the Week. He was the uh, Defensive Rookie of the Month, his first month in the NFL. He's a member of the Vikings 50th anniversary team, and he's a member of the NFL's 2000s All-Decade second team. Now, we talked about the first team being Sapp and Seymour. Both guys in the second team haven't gotten nearly enough uh, – thought it's Williams and Leroy Glover another great guy um so more than anything he was half of the Williams wall um and during his career he was selected more all pro teams in Warren Sapp Cortez Kennedy or Joe Green uh in addition to his all pro uh selections uh he has his, he was a fixture in the Vikings defense for a number of years and the Vikings defense but with that Williams wall uh, was the best run defense in the league for three consecutive years from 2006 to 2008. They were number one in the entire league during that time period, which is incredible to be it, one, two years in a row is ridiculous, but three is insane. 
Kevin Williams deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He deserves to be a finalist. He deserves to be at least a semifinalist. There's absolutely no reason why he's this far down. I, and again, we're biased because these are our people and we've talked this through and um, it's amazing with, with the great job that, uh, that Tom did. We didn't get Tom Nalen here, um, but uh, Kevin Williams is, Kevin Williams is a hall of famer. I just don't know when it, what it's going to take for them to realize that. I guess Seymour is going to have to get in first. And then once they have the first team, maybe we'll start looking at those next guys. But Kevin, uh, Kevin Williams should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay, so we have uh, one okay. final presentation. Uh, Paul, you've got uh, Patrick Willis. Yeah, and in the interest of time, I'll, I'll try to be kind of quick here. And yes, I have another short career candidate to, to present to the group here. Um, but I think we need to, again, look at the quality of this career. It is actually quite astounding when you look at what Patrick Willis was able to achieve in, in a career that was just over seven years, a foot injury, um, finished his career very, very early. Uh, he was drafted uh, 11th uh, over on the first round by the 49ers in 2007. He became defensive uh, rookie of the year, led the league in total and combined uh, sacks, made the Pro Bowl and first team all pro as a rookie, um, as an inside middle linebacker. That's, that's a, quite an accomplishment. But he would then go on to actually make uh, first or second team All-Pro for the next uh, six seasons, uh, including, sorry, five seasons, including four times as um, first team. So there's a consistency of quality of performance there that um, really can't be dismissed. He actually made the Pro Bowl all of his career, except for that last year in 2014, when he only played six games and ended his career. Um this is the second year on the ballot. Again, we're looking at a short career candidate, and I'm not about to make the hall full of short careers. Um, and the voters haven't shown interest yet. Second year in the ballot, he's not been a finalist by the voters. Uh, and that's gotten some uh, just debate going on a lot about that. Um, you have a guy here who's key to the resurgence of the Niners at that, that phase um, in the late 2000s, early 2010 uh, period. If you look at PFR or the Hall of Fame monitor, he currently sixth eighth overall for middle inside linebackers uh, in terms of their rating. Uh, five guys above him are in the hall. Actually, the one guy who's right above him is actually Zach Thomas. And I suspect that that's part of the challenge that uh, Willis is facing in terms of his candidacy is it's likely that the voters are queuing up these linebackers. And I would not be surprised. I don't think this year he's going to make the kind of movement. Well, he won't because he wasn't in finalist. But I think in the future, um, Thomas moving off the ballot, getting elected, which I think is likely in the next few years, will open up the discussion for Patrick Willis. Um, this is a guy who had a solid career, led the league in combined or total sacks twice, was in the top five of those stats a number of times in his career. He was a leader of that defense, um, a guy who could play hard, hard-nosed guy all over the field. Um, and I just think that, you know, his career needs a little bit more, I think, appreciation. And again, I don't want to belabor the point, but yeah, the shorter career is really what I think has hurt his taste to date. Um, I think moving forward in the future years, hopefully this group and, and others like us can continue to advocate for him because I think the voters really need to start looking at a case for Patrick Willis for eventual election in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His career was that great, even though it was short. Thanks. Okay. 
Okay, so at this point, uh, I guess it's a minor break. What I'm going to ask all of you to do is over Twitter, just DM me on the non Hall of Fame list the six people who you would eliminate, and on the official list five. And then we're then we're going to just uh, have we're going to shave this down to ten ten on each. Sound good? Also, allows me to get us some beer. It was the six on the official list? Uh, no, six on the not in Hall of Fame list. And then five on the other. And then five on the official. Okay. So everyone's eliminating Eliminate. five. And then if we've got a tiebreaker, then I'll, we'll tell everyone who that is. And then we'll do the same thing. I, I think this way, because I know that we've sort of done this open in the past, but this way it sort of eliminates the possibility of influencing each other. I don't think that's what we've ever done. But... Let's try it this way. <laughs> See how it goes. So uh, just in the public one, or do you want no, us to? Just, just, just send it right to, all of you have, have me directly. Yep. So just uh, send that. Uh, beer break for everyone. Talk amongst yourselves. What's that bit with uh, Linda Richmond, Mike Myers? I'm old. Vinny, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but. Coffee talk. Thank you. Coffee talk. Beer talk for me. That's what a Canadian do. The progressive era with neither progressive nor an era. Discuss. <laughs> Love it. They're a Voya commercial. Okay, what do we got? None of you yet. Yeah, this is hard, man. So <laughs> <laughs> people, I was like, oh, I'm not going to vote for them. People made some really good cases. So, I mean, I made joke about like you know saying how you know I like to mock and say that you know their job's so hard. I know their job's hard. I mean, I think everyone knows their job's hard. <laughs> still working, right? I'm still working on this. Yeah. Camera's off. I didn't know that you left. About that? Uh, the, the camera was off. I, I didn't know if, like, you know, you were still there. Oh, me? Yes. I've been, I've been doing laundry and dishes and stuff. Hopefully and you had headphones but, Well, no, I just carried it out and had it open. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm listening to everyone's excellent arguments. Don't worry. <laughs> Your case for Calvin was amazing, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, buddy.
I'm going to remove Peyton Manning, <laughs> JK. All about, all about Godfather 2, Vinny. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank God no one mentioned not to bring up the Godfather 3. Oh, I, you just, I noticed that. I was waiting for that. Sofia <laughs> Coppola did end up being a great director, though. She did. Hey, yes. has anybody watched that Godfather 3 like recut? No. Is I can't imagine it's that much. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Like, so Coppola always said that he wanted to name that picture the death of Michael Corleone and that he thought it suffered virtue of being called godfather three because he considered it to be a different type of movie telling a different type of story blah 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 blah, blah. it had a lot of fucking you know down points who, title who, who, or who decided against it was it uh, the producers was a paramount who, who who said it uh that said it should be called godfather three uh, i suspect it would have been the studio but i don't know i haven't read that Goodness. i gotta i gotta ask my friend pat he might know these two guys don't know who. Um, okay, so, for, for those, some of you have already put some in. It's got to be six from one, five from the other, so not combined. Right, five so, from the official list. Six from the official, and yeah. then set. Right, yeah. there can be overlap, but it's got to be Absolutely. five from the official list. Six. Yes. Yep. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna eliminate the fourth and fifth best Buccaneers of the 2002 <laughs> champion. Hey, okay, hey, so hey, I no, stunk at this, but all right. No, 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 uh, no. <laughs> don't forget. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm not doing the, that. Don't forget the 56 <laughs> in the future. And don't forget Monty Kiffin. Monty Kiffin. Don't forget the name. Yes. Love my assistants. Ballot, so we don't have to worry about that. Sorry about don't that, guys. Love my assistant coaches. Um, they just finished the Virgin official list. Now let's go with Chad. Not the whole. Um. As usual, our list was harder to eliminate than the other list. I'm having a lot of trouble. I'm stuck on I'm stuck on five right now. I'm having yeah. a lot of trouble here. Yeah, I sat there forever, and I, <sighs> I people crossed out multiple times, and I finally just put yeah. Up. Ah, Jesus. Wait, who made the Zach Thomas argument? Uh, Tom. I did. You did, right, Tom? Yeah. Tom. Tom. <laughs> Tom's a convincing fellow. Tom. 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 I kind of find it funny. You have a uh, yeah, Tom Nalen and Zach Thomas. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. I I mean, I'm passionate about Tom Nalen. Like, passionate about I I've of all the research oh, I've shit. done, like he's he is one of the most overlooked centers of all time, in my opinion. Okay. I don't have any allegiance to Thomas. Fact, not an opinion. That is a fact. We, we, <laughs> we established here that he is the greatest center to ever play. <laughs> <laughs> he should be in the conversation for at least the most technically sound center of all time, but he's, he's in the top. And I, I really am disappointed that he's not on this list because I would have had a lot of fun arguing for him. But, you know, Thomas, uh, Zach Thomas is just, I have no allegiance to the Miami Dolphins. I just when I when I look at him, look at his career, I played inside linebacker. He was probably the most instinctive linebacker, you know, I would say of all time. Like he has no physical abilities that are superior to anybody else, but he got the job done far better than most with yeah, his limited measurables like speed and things like that. He made up for that by knowing where the play was going to go, and yep. he overlapped me in college. I went to the University of Texas at Austin, and we played against Tech all the time. And that was yeah. just the guy just wrecked, you know, 
Ricky Williams, all those guys, he would know where they're going to be before they were there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He'd throw his body at Ricky Williams' legs. It would work out sometimes, but right. uh, not really yeah. It's funny, Carl Mecklenburg has said a couple times that he always tried to take the first step in the right direction um, in, you know, in career and life. He's a, he's a, you know, a, motivational speaker now but it's really true like people that are limited in physical uh abilities but if they're if they're taking the first step before anybody else in the right direction they're gonna win even yeah. if they're a little bit slower and that's what zach thomas did right? really as, but, as, a, as a patriots fan i always thought zach thomas was more of a problem than uh jason taylor was yeah it's favorite dolphin yeah, he. It, it's so funny because, like, really, he he's not never wasn't supposed to be in this conversation. Like, but he is, and that's all that matters. Don't yeah, forget, he's he also two-time NFL alumni linebacker of the year. That's another uh, honor you could also put on his resume. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I I like I said before, I'm not a big big fan of people voting. Like, it's their opinion. You know, they're supposed to be experts, but. Like I look at 1998, and in this back to Tom Allen, like 1998, they gave it to Gramati Dawson. If you look what happened in 1998, how the hell does anybody not put Tom Allen right. all pro? I mean, like Bettis got 1,100 yards that year, and they had like the 28th ranked offense, and you had a 2,000 yard rusher and a Super Bowl winner, one of the greatest playoff runs for a running back of all time, and he doesn't even get a uh, you know second team all pro. It's like his all reputation. So I don't love the all pros and I don't love like the voters' opinions. And I think they it's a self kind of fulfilling prophecy. They just keep putting them on lists and like see how great they are. We voted them a bunch of times. But you know, some of the time if, if it's overwhelming, like five first team all pros, you know they've done something pretty damn good. Kirk, how many people we got left? And like, just just finding that last guy to like put on the hour list is pretty. Two more. Well, I like I said, I think of, of their list, I got thirteen of those guys being Hall, Hall of Famers. So I cut three people I think are Hall of Famers. Our list, we got fifteen people I think are Hall of Famers. Right. So no. because clearly I'm terrible at, at uh, asking people to vote my way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I I really hated about the list that came out from the Pro Football Hall of Fame is they had people on there that I would have eliminated a long time ago. Like, as they go down, like, the list, like, like when they had Heinz Ward on there, like, why in the hell are you putting Heinz Ward on there? Like, I love our list so much better, you know? It's like, I, I, it's harder for me to take people off our list than it is the official list. Which, Tom, who do you think was better, Heinz Ward or Lynn Swan? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, and I've said this before, and this was my argument with Tom Nalen. There, there, I guess there's a couple groups. There's people that are no-brainers for Hall of Fame. And then there's people that are kind of on the cusp, but there's something remarkable about their career that puts them over the edge. And Lynn Swan, average, I would say, stats, nothing extraordinary. He's on every highlight reel for pass catching. Won four Super Bowls. You know, like those are remarkable events that people remember. So I'm not upset that he's in the Hall of Fame, but he's a more, he's a better candidate to me than Heinz Ward. 
because he was and, and that was a completely different era for pass completely up. different era Heinz Ward wasn't I mean I, I don't think uh I, I don't think Lin Swan was the best receiver even on his team like John Star was a better receiver but if you do something remarkable and you're still pretty good at what you do it gives you the edge Heinz Ward has I can't think of anything remarkable about his career I can tell you one you want me to tell you as to why he's actually funny enough I know that everyone talks about, you know, Stallworth, Swan, and Pearson, and Carmichael, and even Branch, who should be in. guy that I always saw myself, I've always used as the best receiver of the 70s, was hands down, without even question, was always Harold Jackson, actually. Harold Jackson, when he retired, he was like second all time in receiving yards. And when, in the 70s, he had more receptions, more yards, and more touchdowns than any other receiver during that time yet he didn't make the all decade because he didn't play in the nfc east or for the steelers yeah. no actually that back he did play for the nfc east for the for the eagles but he just i guess probably because what carmichael did was a little bit different i guess because also pearson for his runs too like jackson is such an underrated player and don't forget if Vinny sheenan if you're watching he's also the guy that was traded for roman gabriel <laughs> for the rams for the eagles uh, yeah, I will say, and I am on record saying this, Kirk will say, Heinz Ward is my least favorite athlete. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Heinz Ward. He's a good player, but as a wide receiver, he did nothing extraordinary that extraordinary that any other receiver did, really. He was a good blocker, and he was the MVP of the Super Bowl, but, I mean, I don't know why he made the list, like, over other people like Kevin Williams who was probably the best at his position for like four years straight or, or henry eller just at his position oh, henry, yeah. henry eller that, that's a that's a guy that the clock's ticking on him it's like it's only like what is like two years left or three years left of eligibility yeah. for him i mean and you're really gonna waste i'm not trying to hate on heinz ward here but at the same time like he's been in the semifinalist purgatory again and again it's like at some point in time might as well just like give someone else in there a shot because there's many other guys that more people want to see in that aren't getting the time of day because you have Heinz Ward there. I'm not trying to take anything away from Heinz Ward, but at the same time, you might be argued that Chad Johnson was probably the best receiver in his division. I'm not. Yeah. The hall, the hall really did a, a disservice to the receivers from the seventies for decades I mean, it actually took uh, both Swan and Stallworth a long time on the ballot to get in. And then when you start getting receivers pouring up the numbers they did in the 90s and beyond, they just, they just sort of got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And a guy like Heinz Ward, I think as you look in the next few years and as his, his career is going to be look, look a lot different to the voters because his numbers just aren't going to look as good as they did when he retired because there's so many of those players becoming eligible that have those kind of numbers. And the flip side is the guys from the seventies that Vinny's pointing out are getting screwed. And the problem is that the voters just didn't elect them when they should have back in the eighties and nineties to clear that part of the ballot out. And these guys are just being forgotten. And then they fall into the seniors pool and like, forget it, dude. Yeah, yeah. Your chances of getting out are. Yeah. Wasn't Swan like a 14-time finalist or something? He was like, no, yes, yeah, he was a 14-time finalist. Now, I know a lot of people on Twitter are kind of mixed on Lynn Swan, but listen, if Lynn Swan was currently not in the Hall of Fame, I guarantee you he'd probably be one of the most requested guys, if not the most requested guy, because 
He was Gentlemen. basically like Jerry Kramer. We, we, we have some eliminations. Yeah. Yes. Hold on. Okay. Let, let me get my bourbon ready for this. I'm not going to like Lionel Taylor. <laughs> okay. Let's not forget. I don't think I'm going to edit this part bus. out. I think just this whole discussion actually was pretty good. So I'm just going to, and for everyone can see uh, my, again, this wonderful graphics that I've got, right? They are wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate Beautiful. it. Can you yeah, start I, wiping uh, them out? I had the best technicians in Barbados work on this. Nice. Yeah. Are they frogs? <laughs> no, it's no, it's uh, it's it's Rihanna and Eugene Melnick's uh, eighteen wives. Okay. Oh, you don't you don't get the joke. Eugene Melnick no. has a has Eugene Melnick, the owner of the Ottawa Senators, has a has a house in Barbados. Must be next to mine. Where's some fauna <laughs> in Barbados? Jeez. Right. So, right, so what we're gonna do is here? I'm just going to bold out those who are out sound good yep all right sounds good to me what out this one broke me broke me a bit i did not vote for it willie anderson is out oh that hurts what you know all right well if it's any consolation i apparently suck because i was super <laughs> passionate about this one so fuck you all also this one hurts me too no yes we we need to we need to know we need some names what very sad very sad you all suck who did it i hate everybody don't worry i didn't i didn't vote out tasker i know you didn't Vinny. i know jack didn't either all right so yeah those are the six eliminated here Wow. Wow. I'm surprised about Patrick Willis. Yeah. I'm really surprised about Patrick Willis. Yeah, Willis Alan's out. Again, I again I'm all right. Well who's your other I, guy? I wasted so much time point, like telling telling you how much I hated Rondé Barber and loved him when he quit. But <laughs> oh, you did Holt. At least Holt. That's made tough. It. There are good defensive backs on this list. Yeah, that, that's yeah. part of the problem. I, I legitimately went position by position. This one apparently was unanimous. Including yeah, the guy who presented it. Yeah. It's like the other come night before he's been uh, nominated. Uh, come on, let's be real here. He's the weakest guy on here. <laughs> let's be honest here. Sorry, Jen. He's only here because Jen won push hard. I'm just glad that I don't have to go into a spiel about why he shouldn't be elected to all things. And just because <laughs> everything gets weird, we've got one on one side and one on the other. Yeah. Oh, oh wow! What? That's odd. <laughs> that is weird. That's because our list is better than theirs, obviously. Yeah. So well, this got... is the part where we yeah. open up the floor. We have some eliminations that we that are clearly unanimous. We have some people who are doing particularly well. Do we want to do a late minute uh, push for anyone, or just say like somebody does not belong? Uh, Evan, clearly you've done a great job with Seymour, who we did not even put in ours, and look, he's still there. Yeah, I, I was I was a little surprised that once Mills went, I thought Seymour was next, but Wayne made it. So yeah, which uh, I mean, just shows how interesting this pro this uh, this is. Uh, I I can say that there was no tiebreaker. Well, obviously there's no tiebreaker, so I would have put that through. There have there have been a couple who received no votes. I won't say who. You can probably guess who uh, at this point. So, do we want to open up a floor for people who we think should not stay? 
Like who, like one of these things is not like the other. One of these things does not belong. These are for those with kids. I've got an exercise. Well, I was just going to add that at this point, again, we're down to 15. Most years, the final 15 guys, almost every time they get in eventually. So almost all these guys are Hall of Famers. It's just what, what pecking order do you root for the guys that are first ballot or, or get the guys in that are, have been waiting a while? That's what it comes down to. I, I've got an idea. Sure. I've got an idea. How about the people who presented any of these people? DM, just the same way that we voted, mm-hmm. uh, uh, DM Kirk, one, one fact. Give us your top, make the case in one fact. What's the best, the top thing that you could say about a person? The one thing. It can be anything. It can be a stat. It can be how you feel. The one thing. And then Kirk will read them and we'll see how that sounds. All right. So I'll just uh, sort of give an example then of that just because I've still got Tory Holt left. Most yards in a decade, receiving yards in a decade, period. Okay, there you Uh, go. That that is, and I've I've already said it. You know what? That's you know we'll keep it at that. I like the way you're thinking, Jack. Just that's my that's my hard fact. Most receiving yards in a decade, in a receiving era. That's Why don't we just go around the room? Just say it. Yeah, we just, let's just go around the room instead of DMing it. So okay, yeah, okay, okay, so okay. Uh, Tony, all right, I got one for uh, Calvin Johnson. Go ahead. No, it's got to be the guy you 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 you. Uh, Alec, did, Alec didn't present one. All right. Most consecutive 100-yard receiving games, eight in a row. 1,964 receiving yards in a season. That's a record. Jerry broke Jerry Rice's single-season record of 1,848 receiving yards and finished the 2012 season with 1,964 yards, an average of almost 100 23 yards per game in the same game against the Atlanta Falcons Johnson set that record 100 yard games which would later be tied by Adam Thielen in consecutive games with 10 or more receptions he tied Michael Irving's record for most 100 yard games in a season with 11. I was at that game oh yeah nice yep damn he wasn't born yet Sorry, I get, I get, my I son get, is the big. Uh, my son's a, my son, his name is Matt. He's a big. He's a big Atlanta Falcons. My son Matt is a big uh, Falcons fan. So we went to that game in Detroit. Right. Nice. So who's, who's got? So who's did Baselli? I did Baselli. I think the strongest case you can make is he was selected All Pro three times over three Hall of Famers: Louis Rolf, Jonathan Ogden, and Orlando Pace. That is impressive. Mm-hmm. Well All right, uh, Leroy Butler. Best safety in the league three years in a row. Okay. Uh, Tori, are already done. Uh, Calvin Johnson was already done. Uh, no, 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 I want to take. I want. Oh, I want to take yeah, Calvin. Please, please, Jack. I want to take Calvin. Calvin Johnson. I looked at him and I said, "No one could possibly play this position any better." Uh, you, you missed Alan Fanica, by the way. Oh, sorry, Alan Fanica. Thank you. Yeah, Alan Fanica, all decade team, two thousand. The only. Uh, guard or tackle on the first or second team all decade, not in all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Lynch. The conscience 
of the legendary Tampa 2 defense. Okay. Uh, Richard Seymour. Best defender on a defense that won three out of four Super Bowls. Okay. Zach Thomas. Voted one of the best inside linebackers for a decade while playing with the likes of Derek Brooks, Junior Seau, Ray Lewis, and Brian Erlacher. Okay. And Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne, top 10 receiving yards, top 10 receptions. Everybody else is in the Hall of Fame at this time. All right. And Charles Woodson, go on. He's the GOAT. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. His name is Charles Woodson. That is all I got need. something. I got a compliment for Baselli, if that's all right with you. Go ahead. Go ahead. The Magellan of the offensive tackle position. <laughs> Okay. Made an impact in such a short time. Oh, okay. You could also say Mr. Jaguar. He's he could you could basically yeah, say he is he Mr. Jaguar. I always thought of him as Mr. Jaguar. I, I saw him as I saw him as uh, the Leroy Selman of Northern Florida. <laughs> I think I think Vinny wins the, I think Vinny wins the conversation with that one. That's awesome. <laughs> well done, buddy. Unfortunately, let's just hope the Sally does not suffer the same fate as Magellan did. Uh, as long as he stays out of the Philippines, he should be fine. But I, I really, I really think that uh, I really think that Vinny's quote should be, and when Vasella gets in, on on his uh, <laughs> no, exactly on, on the bus there. And I, hey actually, guys. staying out of the Philippines is, might be on my headstone, but that's another. Also, story. Also, guys, big news: Robert Sala was just hired as the coach of the New York Jets. Who's that? Oh wow! I'm excited, but I'm also kind of optimistic about Urban Meyer, man. I'm sorry, who, who, who was that? Vinny, I yeah, missed that completely. Yeah, $12 million a year. The, Make sure he doesn't abruptly retire again. for the Niners. Uh, all right, uh, so this, this one's going pretty quickly, so why don't we just uh, eliminate three? From again, each side? Three from each side. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ. I got the back of my piece of paper here. It started with the front part. Run out of notes. Vinny, that, that was like the best line ever. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that in some point and when I'm writing, if you don't mind. You should, you should. He was the very first draft pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the same way that Leroy Summon was the no, first I, ever draft I, pick. I, 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 I just no. love that. It was like I'm, I'm love metaphors, and that, that's perfect. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna grant you can't exactly say the same thing for Kerry Collins for the Panthers or David Carr for the There's a lot for the of Texans. things we could say about Kerry Collins, which we're not gonna say right now. <laughs> Notice uh, my work with the eyebrows there. That's all you need to know, kids. What what am I saying? I'm I'm 21. <laughs> everyone else is everyone else is my senior, even Alec. Well, thank you. Yes, we're I'm all about old. months older than you. Yeah, I, I had my twenty second I had my twenty first anniversary, my twenty first birthday last week. So you look like you you still look like you're in your twenties there, Evan. No, oh, thank you. It's the lighting. Um, For me it's the extra uh, extra eating. Natural Botox is fat. I'm telling you, it works great. That uh Ringo Star diet or uh whatever he's doing. Straight up, look up. He's 80. I can't believe Ringo Starr is 80 years old and he looks like he's like 40 something. It's unbelievable. Mike LaFleur is the new OC of the JETS 
Sucks, sucks, sucks. This just got tough. Te Texans fan here says Texans once had Kyle Shanahan, Robert Salah, and that was were on their staff, and he ended up with Bill O'Brien. Uh, 49ers <laughs> will receive a third round compensatory pick in yep. each of the next two drafts. Yeah, that, that's a new thing they put in in November. So if you develop uh, uh, people within your organization who are uh, of a minority, and minority candidates who get hired by other teams, you get third round draft picks. So the Rams are getting two, and now the Niners are getting two. Good job. Also, um, as we all know, there's also I like the add-ons as opposed to the takeaways. Also, don't forget that there's also a senior. Pearson, contributor, my specialty, Nunn, and, of course, Coach Flores, who is the star of his own Coors Light commercials. Those are awesome. Weird. Weird awesome. He looks Bill really old sitting in that chair. <laughs> but he, he, still looks like, he still looks like a badass, man. <laughs> like he, and and if Phil Jr., if you're watching this, he is definitely going to make it. And we can – congratulations to you, man. And hopefully, with Flores in – Buddy Parker might be next. <laughs> mm, I think it's probably Coriel yet next, but Buddy. Parker I think so too, and I, I want. I have no issue with Coriel, but I'm just saying, you know, yeah. Parker's basically like instead of continuing on a dynasty and changing the game for an entire ethnicity, Buddy Parker created a dynasty and changed the game for an entire occupation. That's basically that's basically what Buddy Parker did. No, but and for Bill Nunn, like, come on, that guy, I was shocked that he wasn't part of the centennial slate. And granted, I was even more shocked that Ralph Hay wasn't inducted last time. But at the same time, you know, next year coming up, our McNally's 95 years old, guys. And, you know, I, I've been on record saying this until they finally start giving blazers and rings to the deceased. You better get him in before the guy croaks and I don't want to see that happen to more poor McNally. I mean, did you just say lasers? Did you just say giving people lasers? No, I said blazers. blazers. The jackets. Oh, okay. yeah. Got it. <laughs> I mean, and come on. K jewelers and Hager khakis. They're going to be fine. I mean, it can't hurt to just, then he's the next generation. I don't know what they're doing now. They giving out lasers. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, they might give out lasers and Hey, for all we know, I, we might, uh, might go to K jewelers and say, Hey, you Except better make, I, uh, Ark McNally was a Marine Corporal during World War II. Yes, he was. He was a, a, a Marine Corporal. Also, I've been communicating with football zebras. In case you guys don't know who football zebras are, they're basically like the online forum where all the officials congregate to. Man, it makes me just want to <laughs> see more referees making, which sounds kind of weird. Well, but then again, who's the only technically referee in the hall? Uh, Hugh Shorty Ray is the closest thing we have back in 1966, and he was more of an more of like an advisory compared mm -hmm. to the officials. But we need to have way more than I mean, baseball has like 10, hockey has 16, basketball has 16, and football only has like one barely. Like, come on, we need way more than that. I mean, the officials get pounded by fans and by coaches and by the media day after day, and they get nothing in return. Come on, let's give it a helping hand. Why not? <laughs> uh, is, everyone's got theirs in right now, I think. Yes. Oh, wait, wait. It was just, just choose three? Three of each. Okay, almost. I've almost done sure. that. No, I don't think Ed Hockley would get pounded by anybody. <laughs> no, Ed Hockley scares the hell out of me. And, yes, there are penalties <laughs> in the Pro Bowl, just saying. 
Well, until until they uh, dilute it like the uh, basketball Hall of Fame and uh, and the uh, uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, I don't think we should put officials in. But that's just me. There's too many deserving players that haven't been in to uh, make way for officials in the NFL. I'm gonna say what a shit show we're gonna do when we actually do the basketball one. Oh, that's gonna be. You fun. know what? What's interesting oh. is we went so interesting. Cal. Uh, Hubbard, one of the pioneers, is the only person both in Cooperstown and Cannon. He, of course, was is probably the pioneer of the linebacker position. He would go on to become an AL, AL umpire, and he would go into the Hall of Fame as an umpire. So I think that's very – speaking of which, so technically there is, in a way, an umpire that is connected to Cannon. Perfect. Kind hey, everyone, everyone's got theirs in. I just have to put in mine. Uh, uh, almost. Uh, I, I, I'm putting in mine right now. Um, okay. I know that you know there might be some consideration to not have any of us, but at the same time, like zero officials, like football has none. Like it just kind of feels kind of weird. Like, they're very. Yeah, but it's gonna have Bill none. <laughs> no, yeah, but at the same time, <laughs> okay, I'd huh? say, Evan, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I can think of like ten officials off the top of my head that I think deserve at least a little bit. Like Burl Toller, like he was a pioneer for you know. For for all officials, like he's the he was the very first minority, and he was a very successful guy. Like I don't know, like officials do deserve some credit. I mean, all the other halls have it. Why can't football? You might as well, especially because they're the most vilified. And I said, you know, let's get a little. Because they're still considered part-time employees. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. uh, (laughs) Sorry, who said who said they didn't put theirs in yet? Uh, me. I'm I'm still I'm still in the process. This is pretty tough for me. (laughs) Okay, well, you're gonna be uh. Yeah, you might you you're gonna you might be a, a tiebreaker. Yeah, it's 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 all the balance of my my fingers. That 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 uh, Bill Nunn line, please save that for the podcast, man. Don't don't waste. <laughs> Which you too can be on the Hall of Fame podcast. Just ask on Spotify and iTunes. There we go. We haven't pulled, we haven't taken off of them like Trump yet, <laughs> so make sure you go there. Politics out. No politics. Oh God, God. It's funny, every week uh, Evan and I say we're not going to talk politics and race and sports, and then we always do, because there's always something. You could argue that everything in life is politics. Like, this pen in my hand has a political background to it. stuff. Danny, just stop talking and put it in. But you're... (laughs) No, too easily. (laughs) Stop talking and put it in. (laughs) A prostitute say that to me once. That's why I'm not back allowed back in the Philippines. Exactly. Uh, boy. Uh, that was oh. that was the most unintentional. That's what she said of all time. I'm sorry. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do we got? Oh, Vinny. I either need more or less to drink. I haven't decided which. More. More. Your choice. It's always more. I just finished my. Uh, my Woodford there, so I need gonna need some more if we get to the finals here. I'll be right back. I will go with uh... Okay, just put them in, guys. Lovely drapes you got back there, Evan. (laughs) 
wait till Evan gets back before we uh, bold everything out. Uh, is ba baseball's on the 19th, right? Yeah, baseball's on the 19th. C, C, C. All right, so, uh, so Ted, I know I got to send you uh, sort of like that information. Is there anyone else who wants to be part of the baseball thing that isn't already? Uh, I would just say that when I sent over my football cuts in the email, I had put my baseball. Okay. Yeah, I think we're going to alter it just a little bit. We're just going to have an open discussion. All right. And just sort of like uh, run with that. When uh, baseball comes out, I can't wait to crap on Bill James because I crapped on Bill James's take on Andrew Jones. And I said, damn, this take is freezing cold. <laughs> My have fallen. I saw that. That was good. Okay, so we've got a tie on one. So let's just get right to that. Uh, so on the not in Hall of Fame list, as not, not a big shock, Reggie Wayne's out. Son of a... John Lynch is out. Do we out tie us? Yeah, Should well, we italicize it to mention that they were cut in the, in the round of like uh, 10? What's that? Well, we're mentioning it now. Should we have like an, should we have them italicize to let them know which was done from the round of 10? They're knowing it's Vinny. It's, it's yeah, recorded. Yeah, They're seeing there. it. Oh, oh, that makes sense. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Right, and we have a tie here between Tori Holt and um, Tony Baselli. Oh, wow. That's uh, tough. Two great Jaguars. Well, everybody, uh, <laughs> everybody, send you the the one cut there. Yeah, let's just do that right now before we go to the next one. So we're cutting either Baselli or Holt. Uh, just send you the cut, right? Yeah. Well, all right. We're well, one of it to cut so that you don't. It's easy. I voted for one and not the other. Just, so. The so should we just put in like? So we just, just put in whatever we want, like yeah, just, just uh, either Holt or Baselli. Who we want to keep or who we want to take out? Take out. Right. Um, um, I see putting what are we doing? In. We have to remove one of those guys. Yeah. God damn it! I hate this game. <laughs> uh, this is the all right. Well. All along. Yeah. This. Okay, uh, if you haven't already put it in, it doesn't matter. We've already, it's already, uh, it's already decided. Who is it? Terry Holt's out. Oh, wow. Wow. Pretty much a landslide, almost. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> so, don't worry, big shock don't worry, here. Okay. Uh, Tory Holt's out here. Yeah, wait, Kirk, you better uh, put Tory Holt in italics. Oh. And the next next one's Kirk. You have to bold, put in italics, and underline. Okay. Yes. There you go. <laughs> We've eliminated all of the um, people we brought over from our list, so we're basically just operating. Uh, I figured Seymour was done. I'm impressed. Alex and bold. I, I was convinced on Seymour. I had him on. I never voted for him up until now, but. The argument today. I, I, I'll say this now because it, where it's going to come up next year is only DeMarcus Ware as a first ballot. Like there's going to be one per, I think there's going to, my personal opinion on this, there's going to be three first ballots, an offensive lineman and one open spot, which may go to the other offensive lineman. But like mostly a bunch of these guys are getting in next year, right. like including so, Tasker. It's a really good last year for Tasker to be on the 
ballot because if he gets there there's no other surefire people taking spaces so no, here's the interesting thing guys we have no overlaps anymore yep i guess the, the system what do you mean well lists are the same yeah that's what i'm saying there's no overlap yeah we're down yes, we're just voting for one list here on out yeah, so, so we're down to seven. We're down to seven. Well, we're down to six, really, because we've already automatically put in Peyton uh, Manning. Uh, yeah. We have two people who received no votes for elimination. Do we want to put them through right now? Let's do it. Say it again. Can we guess Woodson and Panica? Well, that, that's what I'm asking. Like, do we universally just want to say, because the two people here have received no votes in any stage. So I think no, it's let's just keep safe. Let's just keep going and see how it, let's just yeah. keep going and yeah. see yeah. what happens. Do it that way? All right, do we want to do one round of two or just like eliminate whom? Or do we, does anyone want to try to save any one of these guys? I think we make our last two cuts now. We'll make, make our last yeah. two cuts? Cut two. Yeah. Okay. We have our five, right? I, I voted for one person every time and they're still there. I don't know. You guys aren't agreeing with me. Here's the thing. We're <laughs> all. You and me both, Kevin. You and me both. It's democracy. Don't worry. Yeah. Does <laughs> democracy work in your country? I, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, working it, 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 sorry. sorry, it was there. It, yeah, the, the mail-in ballots are killing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got up. Uh, uh, mom, I need to get my. I need to get my my Viking outfit. Uh, <laughs> oh, <enough. laughs> what did I tell you? How was that? Uh, okay, so we, so we, got need, to, we need to so eliminate we two, two votes, and and it's the lists two are the same. Two two uh, votes to eliminate. Got it. Thanks. All right, here we go. Vinny, do you have your Shrek mask? Because you got to knock on some doors, buddy. Uh, unfortunately, I do not have a Shrek mask, but I did come prepared. Oh boy, I did come prepared with my own uh, donkey accent, but I don't think it's really good enough. But uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't have the. Unfortunately, Party City was closed, and they didn't have any Shrek masks. So I'll just make it up to them by whoever loses. I'll just. Uh, Let's just say that whoever makes, whoever misses it, I just say the term Shrek is love, Shrek is life. Oh, no! Oh, no! No! Okay, someone will have to explain that one to me later because I don't yeah, get it. Uh, settle down, everybody here. Um, it, it, it's an old meme, but uh, that, 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 that's if you, that's if you miss it. That's if you miss it. <laughs> I missed it completely. You really want to know? You really want to know? Yeah, but, well, we, we can look it up on our own time. We're fine. Yeah, let's uh, keep all right. Turn, turn safe search off. <laughs> oh Jesus! This is exciting. Now, we're, are we still going to do? We're still going to do the up down final vote, right? Yeah. And if okay, anyone cool. Do you want to do that or like as a? Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! I want to do it. Sounds good. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine that there are going to be that many people voting down, but who knows. Sure. What a vote down Peyton Manning. <laughs> well, I think it's a good idea well, just in case somehow we get Tasker in the final five. There might be some downs there. <laughs> late for that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I've got five in so far. I, I've got some downs left. I keep downing them and you guys keep putting them through. So, All right. so missing just from a few of you. So, Vinny. Do you remember offhand, when was the last time the voters voted down one of the five final, the modern finalists? 
I can tell you right it's now, been... the last time that happened was Paul Tagliabue a couple times, but he made it in via Centennial class. And yeah, but I'm happy about it. Other people are saying, no, no, it's so bad. And I'm like saying, I don't care, man. The guy, <laughs> I would have. He, he made it to the. He made it to the final five. Yes, he did make it to a final five uh, a couple times actually. I know that he made it at least one time. Yeah. So I'm just waiting on Alec and Vinny, unless there's someone else I'm missing on here. Try. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, they, they haven't done it. They haven't done it since 07. In 06, they did Michael Irvin, and then in 05, yeah. they had the single worst Hall of Fame class of all time, where they elected four quarterbacks only. But choose five from this group. Uh, well, uh, no, actually, no, 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 you're just no, taking two, two out there. Two out of they had yeah that was the worst one now to be fair i really want i mean benny friedman and fritz pollard should have been in have, a while ago but i have i have no trouble with the four guys who got in i have trouble with the fact they elected marino young friedman pollard and nobody else i mean so. you should have the opportunity right, Al, Alec, you're, the, you're the decision maker here buddy so many people in the senior class because they do stuff like that so, yeah. like, so many people have been pushed to the senior class because they do stuff like that yeah, I, I have a project which I'm partway through because I'm too busy, unfortunately. Does it involve uh, so we're, we're, we're and going back and saying if they never voted anyone down, what would the Hall of Fame look like? A so, lot better. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like in 2008 right now. So Okay, guys, we have it. Uh, we don't have to go to another thing. We have a tie for sixth and seventh out. We have a tie? We have a tie. Well, basically, no, they're out. So, I mean, like, I don't have oh, a tie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's see. All right, so put him in. Uh, bold, bold I'll just go from the official list at this point. Go underline. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sorry, Tony Baselli has been eliminated. Real close. Wow. He's my sixth guy. All right. So, last one out. I think you have to italicize him too, Kirk. No, underline. It's got to be all three. <laughs> my bad. All three. My bad. You also there have you to send a you know, note. Like, 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 no. There's not a lot of budget here for this, Jack. I'm working on it. <laughs> I, I, I kind of spend it all on uh, like like trying to get Richmond Webb on this other project. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, appreciate it. And so the last one. He should also be in the Hall of Fame. Uh oh, here yes, we go. Moment of truth. He yes. should. All right. So last one. Uh, so I'll just sort of like uh, make me. this interesting. As you can imagine, Charles Woodson received no votes all the way through. Okay. So nobody voted him out. I did a good, good job, job pushing him. <laughs> yeah. uh, exactly exactly i mean like it, it, it was perfect he was, it was perfect uh alan fanica and calvin johnson are also not unanimous but pretty damn close which Here leaves us with zach thomas and Leroy butler oh this is gonna kill me right, oh so. here it is. This, is this is the one we've all been waiting for it's zach thomas and Leroy, and Leroy butler miami versus green bay it's going to be Thomas. Thomas is going to be in. Damn it. Thomas is in. Ah! Yeah. But, hey, Jack, the fact that the, – the, I'd say this. The fact that you're the only one that got one of his guys in and your other guy was the final cut. You were the I, best one at debating this fight. David, David, did you vote against Leroy Butler the entire time like I did? <laughs> Actually, uh... No, actually, I did not vote against Leroy Butler. Okay, Butler, I voted against all the way through. He's just—he's too far. I voted against every time. So, what's really interesting about this is, after all our efforts, and after all the efforts of the of the actual voters, these five could very well be that actual. I mean, this is mm -hmm. 
Yeah. If you look at voting patterns, this is what I tend to do in Tennessee's and how voters view players. I mean, there are a couple possible shifts here, but this could very well be the five. All right. It's not a so, question by any means. Guys, I want, I need somebody, I need somebody to tell me, well, what am I missing on Zach Thomas? Because I watched him so whole career. I remember him in college, like he'd have been one of my absolute favorite players if he was a bear, but is he really like all that? I'm looking at some of these names we eliminated over him, guys that were at points the best I'm at their position. I'm not the one to answer that because Thomas wasn't one of my guys. You're bad voted out on this also. No, according again, like Brian Urlacher in the Hall of Fame. Analytics are crazy. No, er, yeah, Urlacher yeah. is a gajillion times. Thomas yes, Urlacher is a gajillion times better than Zach Thomas. For, okay, a couple things. Wow. First of all, and really, I want to listen, but I'm just going to address this. Tom, I'm going to address it. You asked the question. First of all, when people look at the first team all pro thing, Zach Thomas was getting first team all pros before Erlacher was in the league. So it's not a one-to-one comparison. Once Erlacher was in the league, Erlacher was getting more of them. Second of all, Erlacher is just an all-around better athlete he's got the exact same if your thing on zach thomas is he knows exactly where to be that was part of erlacher's whole game too if you look at interception yards if you look at fumble return yards he's got the yards because he's got the speed so he's got the same brains he's just better he's just better should he have been our first ballot i don't know that's up for debate but he's not he's not it's not like up for debate that he's a hall of famer but Sell me on Zach Thomas because I want to know what I missed. He's I can't. He's not my guy. Thomas waiting so long. That's my point. Brian Erlacher deserves being the Hall of Fame. Zach Thomas had very similar production in the NFL, yet he's waited for years. There's a huge disconnect between the two. Again, an Zach analytic- Thomas really wait that long though. Yes, he waited a very long time. It took him a while before he even made it as a semi. Well, no, I know that, but I mean, like, like he's still got years of eligibility, though. But what I'm saying is, that we're comparing him he to does. a Hall of Famer in yeah. the same era at the same time. Mm-hmm. A- analytically, again, using that that met- metric, and again, who you can take it however you want. But of all the people who are nominated for the Hall of Fame, are using their Hall of Fame metric, Zach Thomas is the fourth best player out of the 106. It's Manning, Fanica, Woodson, Thomas. Yeah. Fourth best. Fourth best. And that's, that's nothing against Erlacher. Erlacher's first ballot for a reason. I'm just saying, like, at the same time, you know, and in case you're curious, no, there are no deranged Dolphins fans in, in my closet uh, that were begging me to vote for uh, Thomas your this closet? time. <laughs> Do we want to know what's in your closet? No, we don't. It's, it's, it's a deranged fan, just not for the Dolphins. <laughs> No, it's uh, it's actually some sneakers, uh, some uh, shirts. No. Uh, okay, we're good. That wasn't literal, but yeah, go on. I, I'm a Dolphins fan, fun. and I didn't vote for Thomas each time. I just don't think he's that. But I, I respect the, the community. Uh, so it was it was down. I, I, I put in Butler, not Thomas. But I had I had Thomas as my number four guy, and Butler was uh, number uh, seven. So they're. They're close. I, again, when you yeah. you do your your defense, you know, trying to get three offense, two defense, whatever. If if you you want, I mean, well, okay. it's just again, it's a pecking order. It, maybe next year it'll be the other guy. Okay, yeah. so 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 Ted, let, uh, let's sort of address that for a sec. 
do did any of you so when you're looking at this look at when, when you say like a pecking order in terms of like offense defense you know to sort of like look at we're gonna ha- i want to have a kind of balance yeah. in terms of both sides of the ball i mean i try not to but i admit biases come through so i, I, I had a bias towards I the did. offensive linemen i would like to see offensive linemen get in and then we, we did get a good one in i thought baselli Mm-hmm. Again, short career, but he was very, very good. Yeah. So yeah. for me, I usually go by position. Okay. And so I, I just I eliminated I eliminated Leroy Butler because I thought that he was I prefer John Lynch to Leroy Butler, regardless one way or another. Okay. So I put I had Lynch over Butler, and then I just kept voting against Butler because I already had, even though after Lynch was eliminated, I still thought Lynch was better. When it came down to it, like my final two, I have six guys who I think are going to have a shot to get in this year. We have five of them here. I think the sixth one's Baselli. I've told you there's a big push for Baselli out yeah. there. I'm a, I'm worried that Baselli's going to get in and Fanica isn't, not because Baselli doesn't deserve yeah. it, yeah. but because Fanica deserves it more. No offense to Baselli. Um, and so when it came down to it, I honestly voted for Baselli instead of Thomas because I figured that's what everybody else was already doing. And we already had an offensive lineman on the list. Like Patrick Willis is a Hall of Famer. He's not going to get in until Zach Thomas is there. Is all. Hi. Philosophy wait, is different. Wait, I went wait. with the five best players, regardless of position, regardless of side of the ball. I, I said, who are the five best players on this list? I don't think the five best players are technically on this list, in my opinion. But the, of this list, I picked the five best players, regardless of a offense, defense, or position. So, so you didn't let that. Th- you, so you didn't let that go like at all, because I, uh, which, which is interesting, because like I try not to, but then sometimes, uh, like, and, and Evan can sort of like uh, talk on that, because we've been talking about this for God knows how long. But I, I find myself almost more trying to predict what I think they're going to do more than what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yep. like that too. I mean, I, I, I mean, if I was to do it my way, it probably wouldn't be like this, and. If I really had it my way, I'd probably have at least two seniors and a contributor every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know. The reason as to why I also probably voted for probably uh, I didn't I didn't vote for Clay Matthews at all. In case you're curious about that, no, but there's did. a part of me deep deep down that makes me think, Ugh, you can really have Clay Matthews over some other guys and like, and I, I didn't. I didn't vote in, against Tory Holden until like the round of 10. And I'm completely disagreeing with John Turney says, and John Turney, I have, I have history with him. He put me in the timeout uh, chair a couple times on Twitter. <laughs> okay, who um, hasn't? Can't imagine that. In a timeout. <laughs> yeah, but he's done it twice. He's put me in the timeout chair twice. Uh, but the reason why is because Holt said, he said that Holt was just the second chair excuse me princess but at the same time like you're really gonna say tory hole was a, a second chair really in many cases i would argue was better than bruce but apparently yes. this is a second chair <laughs> i thought i thought i did argue that but apparently not yes. very well <laughs> i think the other thing in in addition to offense defense is i think lynch will get in before butler um, and so you weigh I out what we've been waiting. Now, again, I, I, I had Butler ahead, but if I had to predict it, I think Lynch is going to go mm-hmm. further in the process than Butler will. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah. that plays yeah, a role. Half the voters are going to think that way and half of them are going to do, 
oh, best player and weed out all that stuff. Same thing. It'll be this Calvin Johnson, Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne. Well, Holt's been waiting longer. So let's get him in and then Calvin mm-hmm. right or wrong. That's how it is. And so there's, there's a divide there. And then what happens is what we do. And it, you never know which way it's going to shake out. And I, I think there is a game involved. Oh, sorry. Jim, yeah. Go ahead. Did we ever vote on these five up or down? When we gonna, no. Were we gonna... no, let's do it. Let's see what yeah. happens. All right, so, I'm sorry, what was that? Did we ever vote on the gonna five? Going to do it up and down? Yeah. So oh, I oh, mean like the other three? No, like it got to five and we were going to vote. Are we going to vote for Peyton Manning? Up. Yes. You know. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do it. Up, down vote. Yeah. All right. You need 80%. How many do we have here? We got 10. We got 10. We need eight out of 10. All right, perfect. All right, Great. so Peyton Manning. Uh uh, uh, up, down. <laughs> up. Yeah, Peyton Manning's wife. <laughs> oh, you, 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 I don't think you, I've you, seen her. You know, well, no, it, it's more because of the Evan. You want to take that one? No, Eli yeah, Manning. So, Ron, Ronnie Harrison got busted for HGH because he was dumb enough to have it sent to his house in his name. Peyton Manning was smart enough to have the HGH sent in his wife's name. Don't forget, Antonio Gates also has that same situation of doing PEDs, but in football they don't care. In baseball, oh, well done. It's, yeah, it's, it's a little, yeah. it's a little different there. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, what do we got? Alan, Alan, Alan Fanica. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Calvin Johnson. Megatron. Yeah. All right. Uh, Zach Thomas. I'm gonna go down. <laughs> oh down. wow! So what do we got? Uh, seven. No, that's not enough. Is that seven out of seven out of ten? That's not Eight. enough. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Charles Woodson. Do you you guys hate the seniors committee? I understand. All right. So do we? Yeah. Actually, speaking of the seniors committee, do we want no, to just do like a what? quick thing for uh for the three? So we uh, only have a four-man four class is what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, we only have a four-man class now because of that. So now right. he's back on and other people get backed up, guys. If they make the final five, they got to get through. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You might as well just do it. I mean, if not, like, you know, that's a big issue that I have in, like, other cases. I mean, you're in the final five. You might as well just be in because is it really worth, you know, not yeah, having yeah. Zach Thomas in? Because all it's going to do is hold yeah, up the yeah. process for someone else down the line. Yeah, so then Butler gets pushed back another year or somebody else. That's yeah. I mean, that's, I understand if you, even if you don't like Zach Thomas, think of it like this. I, I was fine to forego the thumbs up, thumbs down, but I voted my conscience. Exactly. <laughs> let's get another. Let's get another count. Jesus. <laughs> oh, okay, let's just move on. Okay, uh, we got three seniors. Let's just do those quick. Sure. Uh, Tom Flores. Does anyone have an issue against Tom Flores being in the hall? I, I no. Not at all. And if you didn't no. see that beard commercial, please do. It's awesome. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Uh, Bill Nunn. Come on, it's a duh. Okay. Uh, shit, I'm blanking on the on Pearson. Drew Thank Pearson. you, Drew Pearson. Yeah. All right. Gentlemen, I think we're done. So we awesome. got our eight guys right there. Uh, is it eight, or, or are we are we doing like the eighty percent? Like, how are we doing that? Like, yeah, no, uh, seven guys. We voted out that comment at the end. Right, so but, what are we going to uh, do? Put Baselli and Butler here, and then we're, no, we're no. what is this? A veto? Is this a recall? Is this what you you Americans do? Electoral college being sort of like ripped out. Like what, what it is, is this? Sort of like the electoral college, but you know, uh, well, this is more like British Parliament. Guys, guys, um, you know, let's, uh, 
maybe yeah, we, we can like you. if we want we can do a vote of like we if we want we could actually do a vote of like you know no. the final three. No, 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 Jack. Jack, what do you got? Am I am I a mute? Can anybody hear me? No, what you got, Jack? My internet's bad. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, we got gotcha. you. Here's my feeling, Vinny. You asked why would you vote down on someone? I respect all these guys, and I want to make that clear. And I didn't play football. And I'm, that's why I'm asking. I mean, I played like pickup games, but I didn't play play. And that's why I'm asking, can someone explain to me why what I watched was so incorrect that I think someone is not a Hall of Famer who everybody else here does? Now, Tom, you made the point about the stats. I look at their stats and I don't see any similarity at all. Like I said, Erlacher had explosive game-changing athleticism, and that shows up in the numbers. It shows up in the return yards. It shows up in twice as many sacks. It shows up in the, t- it shows up everywhere. So I don't look at Zach Thomas and go, yeah, that dude's a hall of famer. Is this going to back it up? That's not, that's not on me. I didn't vote for him. So I would have voted for a number of other people ahead of him. And I, I respect the guy and I, you know, I'm just one man. Maybe I'd feel differently if I, if I was an AFC uh, East guy or if I was a Dolphins guy or if I, you know, like, oh, maybe. But like, I watched him. I looked at him and I was like, that's a, that's a damn good football player. But I didn't look at him and go, that's a guy who changed games or that's a dude, you know, I, I just didn't see it. I look at Zach Thomas and I don't, I don't understand why he's here and Patrick Willis isn't here. That was someone who changed football games to me. Uh, Brian Urlacher. Now looking at this, looking at this list, the difference to me between Calvin and Torrey Holt and the difference between Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne to me is pretty clear. That's what it looked like to me. The difference between the Roy Butler and John Lynch, pretty clear. The difference between Urlacher and Zach Thomas or Urlacher and Sam Mills, pretty clear. So I would vote down for Zach Thomas because I don't think he should be in this mix. And if it backs people up, that you know, what can I say? I didn't vote for him. I here here for me. Here, I don't get the Leroy Butler one. I just I don't. I don't get Leroy Butler as I understand your thing. I disagree that on Leroy yeah, Butler vehemently. But if Leroy Butler were the other were the fifth person, I would vote him in. Yeah. Because there are two we have a more I hate as much as I don't think Leroy Butler deserves it over multiple other people on this list. There's a, in my opinion, a moral obligation to all the people on this list that once they get to the final five, you got to get them through because otherwise you end up with a situation in which we have so many backed up people that we just end up with people never even getting a hearing. Like we're, we're, we're to the final year now of Clay Matthews. Do I think Clay Matthews should be on this list? No, I don't. But at least he's getting a hearing. I can't say this. There are a whole bunch of other people. Steve Wisniewski's never gotten a hearing. At this point, right? Steve Wisniewski was a hell of a football player. Steve Tasker's never gotten a hearing because we have we have people who get backed up. Now at this point, we've done a pretty good job of clearing people through. But back in 1998 through 2007, they routinely back people up, and that's what's caused some major backup now. So that that's my that's my thing on it. Even if you don't think Zach Thomas is worthy of being there, once he gets to this point, like I I I don't. I just don't get Leroy Butler, but Leroy Butler were there and he's very close to being there. I would have but, voted. But our Evan, but then Evan, why do, but then why do we have the up 80% vote? I mean, we're just we have following the up and down their own rules. 
Why, yeah, why, why do you have I, anything? No. I don't know. You did it. Why does it exist? You tell me. You know, I, it was it's been I in since, I, I don't have, it's been I don't in since good, the beginning. I don't have a good reason for it. I mean, it, it's been in the rules since the beginning. I think the premise um, <clears throat> of that is that you go through these, these these rounds of votes, right, from the 15 to the 10 to the 5, and at that point, every one of those is going to be, in, for the first time, you know, get that individual sort of, you know, ascension to the throne or whatever. And that's that's the principle behind it. And again, if you go back in the history of voting, you know, we've talked about this. There were a number of years, um, many times where, you know, they'd end up with two, three or four. So that would hold to that idea that, yeah, you have that last chance to make a decision, the guy's in or out. Um, but I think the voters have realized, and we've seen that in the last decade, this backlog has created such a problem that for the most part, they're willing to endorse these five. Well, let's be clear about this. We know, um, well, they don't release the vote totals, but we know that those are not anonymous or not um, 100%. Um, there are probably some guys who got through in that five that got the 80%, um, but not 100%. So there are probably still some voters who, and it, it's a philosophy, right? If you don't think the guy's worthy, then you're not going to vote him in. Um, the term they call those are the silent assassins in the room because they won't say anything. They're, and then at the very end, they're just vote down the guy. Again, it's a philosophy one way or another, uh, but it's been there since day one, this idea. And it really ticked a lot of the voters off because they did not do that for the centennial class, right? All those guys got advanced. They, they weren't voted on individually. Some of the voters who weren't on the centennial class who were in panel really resented that they got a quicker path into the, the, the typical modern or even the seniors and creepers and now the coaches are getting with the up and down votes. So it's, it's, it's just the way they, they, they want to make sure there's that last check of the sort of confidence that the voters are going to say, yeah, these, each of these five guys deserves a shot and should be in or not. Can I, ask I should also mention that, Google keep in mind, a lot of these people also are pretty bitter, the fact. But yeah, who is the on. third person that I know Glenn and, and Jack? Um, David. David. Okay. So, so I, I'm just wondering, though, if I, I, I've heard from Jack and Glenn that you guys stand firm. And, and again, I think that's your right. But I just wanted to make sure everybody understood the process and, and understanding the consequences. And I think maybe if we would have known it beforehand, maybe the votes would have been different or maybe not. You know, so I think it's just important to point that out. Because this discussion we're having now, this discussion we're having now would have happened before the up and down vote. Correct. Because, because, because if, if Zach Thomas ends up the fifth person and gets voted down, Glenn, that's very possibly Tasker's spot next year. Uh, for sure. But yeah. wait, let me, let me, wait, hold on. Let me throw a counter. One second. Let me throw a counter into that. We took it as an assume that all five were going to go in and three people voted against one guy and everybody else voted for everybody. So if we do this again next year, and I would enjoy doing it again next year, I think we're all going to remember that there were some pretty strong arguments against Zach Thomas. Now, like I said, I am here to ch change my mind. Tell me why you look at Zach Thomas and you see a Hall of Famer. Now, Tom, I think, has had some of the absolute best arguments of anybody in this group. I happen to disagree with that one. I've heard the Erlocker one, and I've looked into it, and I don't see it. 
because I looked at Brian Urlacher and I said, that is someone who is different. That is a different dude. That's that, that guy's remarkable. That is a different kind of cat. And I don't look at, I don't look at Zach Thomas and see that, you know, now I understand what, uh, you know, you don't look at Leroy Butler and see that that's fine. Um, but if the argument to be made, when I say, make me the argument, sell me on Zach Thomas, if the argument to be made is, well, his stats are the same as, as, as Erlacher, I'm not with that. Should Erlacher have been a first ballot hall of famer? I actually broke this down before that vote. And I said, look, Ray Lewis is going to get it. You have to give it to one of the wide receivers. And that means that if you give it to Randy, you kind of have to give it to T.O. because he should already been in. So they're probably both going to go in. And then that's like three guys who not everybody really likes. So Brian, so the good guys are going to, and that's going to be Erlacher and Dawkins and Fanica. And I was like, one of, you know, those three guys, you're going to have a mix of those as like the good guys. And I was right. So should Erlacher have been a first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't know. But I look at the guy and I'm like, that's a Hall of Famer. I don't have to think about it. I don't need any number to tell me he's a Hall of Famer. I look at him and I go, he changed games. He did things that was different than what other people could do. And you combine that with the longevity of doing it, the consistency of doing it, what his teammates say, what his opponents say. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the stats and the stats back it up. And I don't have to have a conversation about it. Calvin Johnson. I don't have a I, I, I paid Manning. I don't have to have a conversation about these guys. So well, here, here's Zach here. Thomas is just not what it is. So what I'm saying is, is that I don't view it as like, oh, I created the backlog because I've been voting Zach Thomas out every round. Mm-hmm. So I didn't create the backlog. I would have voted I, for I, any number of people. I, I, I voted Leroy Butler out every round that's fine we disagree that's fine we disagree we disagree may i mention i i i I also when it comes to the down up vote there's what 10 of us Mm -hmm. but there's almost 50 when it's true so there's three or four people that don't like one player they're not going to get the down vote in this if there's three people that don't like one player they're going to get the down vote so if there's 50 of us all these people have to vote I, I, I think also too, if if I could, what I'm hoping is going to transpire as we do this uh, in the future, I'm hoping we're going to keep doing this, is that, and I love this core group that we have, but I hope it grows, and I hope we have you know like people from different backgrounds, different fan bases, which I think is more important than you know like where we're you know where people are from right so we don't have a lot of uh like with the exception of tom who actually lives in the east uh you know like we need some west coast you know thought processes here uh one thing i love about this group is we all have not one of us cheers for the same team many cheers for nobody which is awesome so like i I kind of know and i mean that in a good way players but i mean i i I, this is who i cheer for i cheer for guys from the 1890s special teamers assistant okay yeah but you you know you know what i mean like like unknown contributors sure but i mean like for me personally like when when nobody wanted ronde it's like i'll i'll jump on that like i hated the i hated this guy because he killed killed those are my five choices no but i mean but you know what you know what i'm trying to say right so it's like we like I probably watched Ronnie Barber more than most. Uh, 
know, Glenn, you've watched uh, Tasker more than most. You had a great thing about Green League has spent it the last time we talked. Um, and then even Richmond Webb, because like you were Bill's Dolphins, right? So oh, yeah. we need, Absolutely. if we have, if we can get this to 20, and I think we can, or even bigger than that, that's sort of like our big goal. And to your point, Jack, I mean, I think we can get other people really having that opinion that you, that you want to hear. And we can do, this is a great start for what we've done. I'm so excited. And it's going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And hopefully, I know that Paul has some skepticism about this, but Paul, I really do think we're awesome. And I think we might actually be more like than the actual voters. What do you think? <laughs> Uh, sorry, what was that again? Quick question. I said, I know you're pessimistic about our chance of maybe changing things for the future, but, you know, there could be a chance. You can never count on anything. I mean, hell, do, I mean. We do. If we don't, we don't. That's all right. Uh, well, I think, Paul? I, I, I think as the voters change, right, the old guys are still there, right? There's, there's still guys that have been on that committee for decades. Those are the ones that's, that's hard to get to. But, it, you know, as, as more younger voters come on that are more engaged in social media, right, and more interested in hearing other viewpoints, th yeah, it, it, they're going to be more receptive, I think, to some of the fan stuff. I just don't think we're there yet. But, I, you know, if you look at the age profile, and, and you know, it's, I, I applaud uh, Baker and the Hall because they have made changes, as we all well know, and there's some guys that were moved off the committee. So they are increasing the diversity. They're getting some different views in there. They're getting some younger folks um, because for way too long, the committee was stagnant all through the 70s and 80s and well in the 90s. Um, so many, I, I think as we get more voters who are basically more in tune to fans and social media, that they're going to be more receptive. I just don't think we're there yet because there's just too many old conjunction writers there who just most of them are even active on social media. I mean, I could probably think on my one hand, those voters that are currently on social media engaged and talking about the hall. There just isn't very many, but there will be someday. I, I, you know, I made a joke about, I made I a joke about those 10 person questions. Yeah, one sec. No, go ahead. I mean, I made joke. I mean, I whenever I say I want the ten person class, I mean that's both joke, both half serious, half joking. Would I like it to be like you know an extra senior or maybe a modern that's done in a special way by like you know like some players and maybe like a fan sure maybe, but that's really just setting up for the future. And of course, you know, even though that people might be getting younger, I'll make sure that no one, regardless of age, I would say though, if, if we're looking at, if we had to compare our list, we were saying, oh, we like our list compared to what the, the actual list. If, if the actual voters put in five, any of these five guys, it doesn't matter what five, and we only put in four, vast majority of fans, I don't care what five guys the actual voters put in would prefer their list over what we just did. I agree with you. I mean, I mean, I know that there might be people like Adam, and, and if you know who Adam is, he's he, he's my rival on social media. Nobody knows who Adam is, bro. Oh, Continue. Yeah, Adam, I mean, How do you have a rival? I think. Yeah, I think I think the one thing we learned more than anything is, as much as we complain from the outside, it is not an easy exercise. 
like I respect the hell out of Jack. Jack and I just disagree. There's nothing wrong with Jack and I disagree. Each of us have strong viewpoints with with a rational basis for where we're coming from. We just disagree on this one thing. And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying Jack's wrong. Jack Jack's has, has a very good reason for why he voted the way he did. And 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 we just disagree on this. And just showing that even people who are nerds about this, not, not to like denigrate, us. we are nerds. Like I got spreadsheets with 47 yeah. tabs on them on this, right? On like on baseball, football, hockey, and the Rocker Hall of Fame. I do not have basketball because I'm not that insane. But like like the fact that we nerds like this are still going into it and we still disagree this much, it shows how hard this whole process is and yeah. how, how sure. challenging it is. Cause I, I, I think our list is not that far off. What's going to be, it's going to be the, it's going to be Manning. It's going to be Woodson. It's going to be one of the offensive linemen, one of the wide receivers and a wild card. That's what the list is. I think it's probably going to be Johnson and Fanica and maybe Baselli from what I'm seeing. But that's essentially what it's going to be. Yeah, I don't know what we're ended up essentially in the same place. I think they're going to end up with. All right. So since we're here at this point, what do we think about after the Super Bowl? Maybe a couple of weeks after when they've decided all this, reconvening and just discussing what they got right, what they didn't get right, what oh, we would so have done. What do you think? We would. Yeah, we would also know that's their cool. cuts. They would. We'd know the cuts from fifteen to ten, from ten right. to five. Exactly. So, like, just like have have some fun. Just sort of like how we. Yeah. Well, obviously, we know how we did it. Postmortem analysis. Postmortem. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Law and Order. Probably way too much. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me raise. Let me raise the obvious question. First of all, Kirk. Yes, absolutely. I'm in. Let me raise the obvious question. Do we want to take a look at the other two and have a debate about whether or not we should put in a fifth? Butler and you mean Butler and Baselli? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not, not? Yeah, down we're here at this on, point. Sure. Why not? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I would have voted for any number of people in that fifth spot. Mm-hmm. I just look at that and I'm just like, that's just not a guy to me. No yeah, I had Baselli in that fifth spot. All right, so so uh, just sort of like we're, we're deciding like who's our number six out of B- Butler and Baselli. I don't know. I don't know how you want to do it. I'm just saying if if okay. if people how, feel how, like sorry, how close this is this is what I'm this is what I'm saying. Okay. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, go ahead. I feel strongly. Obviously, I'm not going to vote for someone who I don't think should should do it. But okay. Um, I also understand the argument behind the backlog, even if I don't think that just because, see, now I know how third party voters feel, except that there's a lot more at stake there, but I don't feel responsible. You're a weird country. We don't have this. No, here's my, here's my point. I understand the, uh, I understand the principle of saying we should have a class of five. And there are plenty of people on this list who I would vote in right now as a fifth. Okay. So what I'm saying is, do we want to somehow determine, and I'll stand back on how that works, but do we want to somehow determine a way to get a fifth? Can, can, yeah. can I ask you that? Or do we want to annotate that Zach Thomas was the up-down vote? 
but put him in anyway because it was a 70 percenter versus the fact that we only have 10 members versus the 50 where three thumbs down wouldn't have done anything based on our process vote. yeah based on our process and what we had discussed we got down to our five our five or our five at right this and so Kirk, it, I, I have a quick question for you though so how close were Baselli and Thomas? Hey guys, I'm I'm gonna take off now. I actually feel feel pretty tired. No, uh, yeah, no, no worries. I'll take off. So how close were Baselli and Thomas? Like yeah, two. So, hey, you take yeah, you guys take care. Take care, Alec. So I mean, it, it, was, it was from the way you at least Vanna Whited it. It made it seem like like Thomas was five and Baselli was six, right? So how close? Uh, it wasn't that close. Okay. Because I mean, it, it, okay. Well, it really wasn't close. I'm just looking back here. Uh, nah, it really wasn't close. Yeah, because because okay. I only I to be honest, I voted for against Baselli in that last one, and for I guess technically for Thomas because mm -hmm. other people had voted against Baselli, and I was trying to come to a yeah to a thing. I would have. I mean, I would out of those three guys, Baselli's my person. So. And if that wouldn't have made a difference, it wouldn't have made a difference, but. No, sounds like one vote would not have changed. Yeah, that, that, that was my real question. If one yeah. vote changed, so. I think we go with what we did then. And... and put it in. Yeah, it is what it I'm is. fine with that. Yeah, I, I guess so. Like, you know. I'll take all those and... dolphin, dolphin fans tweets. <laughs> uh, hey, don't all, worry. Okay. Listen. I'm, I'm getting the Packers fans, I don't feel bad. Uh, don't feel don't feel bad. It'll, it'll get some of them off me. I'll just go to someone that looks somewhat similar to me. <laughs> oh, Vinny, you love it though. A reminder: this vote does not. Oh, I want the smoke. Real backlogs. Like this was a mock thing. Like we did not prevent anybody from getting in the hall. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Kevin yeah. Williams, everybody, whoever's watching. <laughs> oh, oh, don't, don't worry. Like you sold me on Kevin Williams, Evan, and Tom, you yeah. definitely sold me. I know that Tom's not here, but he sold me on Nalen and and, and Willie and Willie Anderson, someone I never considered before this whole thing. And honestly, God, he should be. He like should when, be. It, never when it comes to Bengals fans, like we know how Raiders fans feel, we know how Broncos fans and Browns fans and all these other yeah, yeah. If there's any fan, and I'm going to say this again, if any fan base. Feels like they've been slighted by the by the by the voters and by the people of Canton, Ohio, and Shrek. I mean David Baker. <laughs> Bengal is the fans of the Cincinnati Bengals, and you know, Vinny, aren't you trying to be like an actual Hall of Fame voter? You really want to be on camera talking shit about the guy running the show? <laughs> I mean, I'm not like making David fun David of him. I'm just I'm just saying, like you know, he, listen, David Baker is a great guy, and I really do respect <laughs> the guy a lot. You called him Shrek. No, well, he I called like him Shrek, to be honest. That's, that's like our nickname nine, we give him. Dude. <laughs> middle school principal. A very fun-loving, happy man, but yet very, very strong build. And at the same time, like, you know, he uh, just happens to be like, uh, he happens to be a, who have, bear a similar, somewhat slight resemblance to, um, you know, Shrek. But some even said, um, meanwhile, my, my, my middle school principal looks a lot like Thanos. Oh, good. No. You're All the right. only one in this group who actually remembers what their middle school principal looks like. <laughs> I, I, I remember mine. Only Vinny okay. My bad. That's why. Yeah. Mine had a ridiculous accent, so that made a big difference. Must have been Canadian. All right. Yeah, well, gentlemen, I, I think we're work. done. Oh, awesome. Great. <laughs> well, 
Oh, uh, also, Paul, what was your middle school principal like? And uh, <laughs> did, did, was, and Kirk, was, was theirs as were their accents much thicker than yours? Right. On that note, thank you very I much, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Thanks, guys. See you in a couple uh, of weeks. Anytime, so, guys. It's always Kirk, nice speaking to you. Kirk, always. Can we, take care. Kirk, can we tweet this? Can Thanks, we share Kirk. this? Uh, I'm. God, I wish I knew how to, how to make this live. It took me forever to figure this part no, out. No, no, no. I mean, just like the results. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I, I can do that. Uh, do you want to do that or do you want me to do it? Why, why, why don't you do it and then we can all retweet it? Yeah, it sounds good. How, how yeah. it come from the cool. official site? Oh, okay, yeah, from the official site, because I'm so goddamn official. All right, sounds good. Guys. You also said uh, All right, later. about getting back together in a couple weeks. I, yeah. I think we want to plan after that, maybe talking about senior candidates. We had talked yes. about Yes, definitely. Yes, definitely senior candidates. And here's my little caveat. At least one guy from before, before the 1960s. At least one guy. Fine. It's fine with that. Sounds right. good. All right, guys. Hey, Paul, Paul, thank you for joining our merry band of crazy people. And, thank uh, you so much, Paul. It's finally a pleasure finally seeing you in person after all these years. <laughs> well, after all these months, I, I, however long I've known you. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, guys. All right. Take care. Take care. Yeah, Evan. See you, Dave. See you, guys. So long. All right. Bye. You gotta hit leave me. Now. Evan, how you doing, man? I gotta figure this shit out here. No, I figured you'd want me to stick around. No, I appreciate it. Stop. Um, I might just give you a call. Yeah. Well, we, we Hold on. Yeah, because um, I just want to figure out how to like save this shit here. Yeah. Why, 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 why don't you do that and call me when you're done? All right. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll I'll call you right, right back. Okay. Right back.